Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsport show where supermodifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome to another Inside Groove. My name is Tom Baker. I will be joined a little bit uh, later on by Camden Proud. And we're going to talk some banquet and uh, the new inductees into the Oswego Speedway Hall of Fame. We also have a very special interview with Jamie Moore coming up in just a couple of minutes. Again, thank you for joining me. This is the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. I can never keep track of what episode we're on. I think it's 24, but uh, certainly glad to have all of you uh, listening to the show. And, of course, it is brought to you by IPC Indie, Jeff West and his staff doing uh a bunch of great work out there, and again, go to their website, IndiePerformanceComposites.com. It explains it way better than I can. Basically, um, you know, the the technology that they are able to create, the fabrication work, all of that um, is not only aerospace, but also motorsports, of course, and not just supers, but any kind of uh, race car from Super modifieds to dirt modifieds to indie cars, NASCAR. Just go to their website and check them out. And uh, if you need something that they can do, please consider them first. As again, we love to have all of our listeners using the uh, sponsors who uh, support our show. We also uh, are brought to you by Skip's Fish Fry, and we've told you about uh, the fact that um, Sean and his staff make the best fish in the city of Oswego, and they have other things there too, hot dogs, hamburgers, all that kind of good stuff. So if you're in Oswego and you're hungry for some fish or a burger or a hot dog, go see them. Skip's Fish Ryan, of course, at the racetrack, uh, they have concession there as well. And JNS Paving, uh, Rich Worth and his staff uh, do a great job as well with uh, all kinds of paving work. So uh, go go see them. And uh, if you need something done and you're in the city of Oswego or anywhere within their vicinity, please, again, um, give them the first opportunity. That's all we can ask here. So with that, uh, we certainly have... A great show coming up. We're excited to uh, talk with Jamie Moore, and we're going to do that momentarily. Camden Proud coming up a little later on as well. We will be back with Jamie Moore right after this. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue here on a, well, a Friday morning, actually. Uh, we're kind of last minute with this show, but uh, again, my work week was a little crazy this week, so we were delayed a day or so in taping, but we, you still will have access to this uh, before Friday is over with, which is always the goal here. So um, we have Jamie Moore with us now, uh, Jamie, via the miracles of modern technology, known as the telephone, uh, 
um, is able to join us from up in New York. Of course, I'm sitting here inside the WSIC studios in Statesville, North Carolina. I think our weather is probably pretty close to the same today. Not good. Um, and uh, Jamie, uh, glad to have you on the show. This is I've looked forward to this opportunity for a while and uh, finally had uh, the the situation to, to sort of slide you into here. And when, when I called you just a second ago, you were telling me that before uh, I called you, you were listening to our podcast from Classic Week when we had the chance to sit down and talk with Steve Joya. Um, and you were, you were saying, uh, you were complimenting Steve and kind of thinking back to those days. Tell us what went through your mind as you were listening to that show about Steve. It, it bounces back and forth with what goes through my mind. I mean, because Daryl Peckham's one that got me involved with racing. Yeah. And brought me to dirt tracks, then to Oswego, and then I became his chief mechanic at 16, where my mom had to sign me to get in the pits back then. Because <laughs> the, the age limit, the age limit being 18. Yeah, yeah. But listen to Steve talk. And he's always been crazy. He's always been a gentleman driver. Yes. Yeah. Steve's always been great to race with wheel to wheel. But to join a family, when I used to go up there on Friday nights, I'd drive up there and Steve and myself and Bill and Samuels and Rick Hogan and Mike Murphy, Rick Nelson, we'd all go out Friday night in Oswego. And I'd end up sleeping on the floor between Steve and Donnie. <laughs> If if I didn't stay at uh, Mike Murphy's apartment, but Saturdays Daryl would bring the car up and we'd work on it in the driveway. Oh wow! Before, so I got the chance to watch Mister G put assembling engines at the last minute, you know, on, either on Friday, sure, when I, when I go up early and that Saturday morning and put it in, and you know, Steve helped me with suspension. Thoughts? What's you know with Daryl's car? I mean, you know, like stories behind the scenes. Yeah. So we took Daryl's, and it was the old Joe Orso car. Okay, we we graduated from the upright yep. to Joe Orso car. Yep. And we put our steering in it because Daryl was oh, it's too hard to steer. <laughs> So we did it at the shop. I had somebody, you know, weld the bracket in place and got it all set. And we're in the driveway at Joyous, and I realized, geez, to turn left, you got to turn the wheel to the right. Oh, <laughs> the my. Wheel, you had to actually turn the steering wheel to the right for the wheels to go left. I said, Daryl, just take it just like everybody off. You look right at him and turn it. Like, go, 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 so we proceeded to change things around to get it so we could drive that night. That's funny. But, you know, the Joya family, because before we went up to a track, we'd have our picnic. Let it be hot dogs or hamburgers or chicken and salads, tossed salad. or wow. and Timmy Nelson, I think, was part of that crew at that time. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I think, I think Timmy got to start with Joe Gosick. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, when I was talking with Steve, uh, that's one of the things, you know, you don't, sometimes you have to really look back and piece things together. And one of the things that I, 
that I try to do with you guys that are from back in the day is look for threads of things that we can talk about. And with Steve, you know, he really, Steve had the opportunity um, to get into, you know, a lot of different sort of coming of age or next generation cars. I mean, he, you know, he, he had the opportunity to, to run Jimmy's offset. He was the first to drive um, Clyde Booth arrow car, um, you know, Steve and, and, and that family, that team spawned a number of crew members that have gone on to be either crew chiefs or car owners, or in some cases like Joe and Timmy, uh, drivers, you know, and, um, so that team was very, very central instrumental. to, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and it's amazing, and you find that a lot of times. And you, you know, you and I were talking the other day about how many different car owners you had driven for. And um, yeah, but I want to stay with Steve for a minute because yeah, when I think back, I met Joe Haluka through Steve and Johnny Clampham. Sure, yeah, early seventies. I don't remember Wayne Landon with him. He was. He, uh, he could have been before. Yeah, I think he was. Johnny Clampham. Seventy, seventy-one, maybe seventy-two, somewhere in there. Okay, so that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember, like I said, Joe Haluka up there, and or actually Joe Haluka was before that, might have been. He he may have been. I can, I I I didn't start Joe going Luca until seventy. He had his own car for a while. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's where I remember Timmy Nelson between Joe Haluka. And I don't know if Joe Haluka did he drive for. Uh, um. Oh. Duncan. No, Doug Duncan. I don't. Th- well, actually, he may have really early, but before Johnny Spencer. Yeah, Johnny Spencer Johnny drove Spencer. for Haluka before he drove for Duncan. Spencer was in the Not 06 bad, huh? before he was in the 07. Yeah, and then um, and then Joe had well Warren Conium started I think 72 in the 06 and didn't stay in it. He went to the 04. And okay, yeah. yeah, and then uh, there there was a but point was where, right after Bobby Stelter was it. Uh, yeah, uh, no, well, Lou there was Dabrowski. Lou Dabrowski, yeah, yeah. And then... I remember Lou Dabrowski's wedge. Yes, that's right, yeah. A copy, a copy of Champagne's wedge. Right, yeah, which is, you know, I always, I think I always thought that was interesting, too, because everybody talks about that car that Jimmy had as the wedge car, and it was only a wedge for yeah, a year. Yeah, Jack Murphy drove it. Yeah, in 1970, the wedge front end was gone. I mean, he, he yep. you know, and, and it went to the... The livery, the, the the style that he ran for a couple of years in the early seventies, and then eventually it, be, it around seventy four, it he changed it a lot, and um, you know it stayed that way till he sold it to to Dougie. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it. Those times were fun. It, you know, there were a lot of in in the nine car. I mean, Skip Manning drove it for a while. Um, Jimmy Gray drove it a time or two. I think Ronnie Wallace might have been in it once or twice. You know, Steve Junior, Steve uh, Senior, rather had had quite a lot of drivers in in that in his cars in that few year period there, before Junior started driving it. And yes. you know, of course, once Steve Junior started driving, then um, you know, then it it was all Steve um, until uh, they until had he stopped. Yeah, well, yeah, but they had uh, the backup car for a bit with with Joe and Donnie and then uh, Jim Cheney. Uh, And then, you know, then they went down to the one car after that. But, yeah, I mean, it was. uh, I remember Donnie driving. 1980. Yeah, 1980. But I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember Cheney and Joe Gozik. Cheney drove it in the 79 Classic. 
Um, see, that's probably because I had already started racing yes. in 76. Yeah, you, you probably and raced with them. when you start them, racing, now all of a sudden, now you're spending, you know, yeah. 40 hours in a garage yep. through the week with the crew. Yep. And yeah. the track, you're focusing on just the cars that you're around. So Jimmy ran, or, uh, yeah, Jimmy Cheney ran it in 79 in the Classic and finished fifth with it. It was a nice event there. I think it was Cheney's last top five at Oswego. Ran a nice race with it. And then uh, they gave Donnie and Joe a chance to drive it in 1980. And, of course, Joe then um, went over and got a chance to drive for Tony that same year. And that's when Donnie went back into the car and stayed there for the rest of the season. And then I think they sold it. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of, uh, again, it's fun to look back at that. And you really, you know, I'm sure Steve, you know, all of them at the time would just like you, when you think about your career at the time, you're just doing it. You're not really thinking about it in terms of what's this going to look like in 20 years or how are people going to remit? You're just doing it. And then all of a sudden you look back and you say, wow, look at this thing I've done for all this time. And I think that's true of anybody in any profession, really. I know it is for me, even in the media. If you would have said to me in 1988 that 31 years later, I'm going to be in North Carolina with, you know, four radio shows and whatever else. It's just like, really? You know, there's no way Um, you don't realize, you know, you have to sort of live something. And I feel like. You know, your career was born out of that relationship with Daryl, and I'm wondering how, what got you, you you, you mentioned that Daryl kind of started you. How did you get interested in racing in the first place? Were you a fan first and then met Daryl or met some people and just sort of jumped in? Well, um, it's called being a MacGyver. Okay. You know, Can fix you, anything? You start driving at 16, and all right, now I'm starting working on cars. Prior to that, I actually worked on my own bicycles. Or, there you go. I'd go down to Nolan Sporting Good with Floyd, who used to repair bikes. Okay. And he taught me how to true up wheels, the spoke wheels. And, nice. You know, so you spend time with older, more experienced. Right. Let me rephrase it, more mature, more experienced people. And... You know, my mother did a fantastic job with us, raising us. And same with Betty and Steve with the Joya family. Sure. Families. Yep. Oh, yeah, I agree. We, we talked about, Steve was talking about people up in the stands, the, the, you know, the spectators. Yep. At that time, there were families. Yes. That would go. Yes. They'd bring a pic- picnic lunch with some drinks. They'd pay a mission to get in, but you could, they could bring the things in so it's, it was a family time together yes. watching the races. Yep, sure was for ours. And then after the races, going down to the pits and meeting yes. Steve Joyer, Jamie Moore. Yes. Okay, and, and their families. Yes. Because it wasn't just me. My brothers and sisters were with me, so and my mother. And that, so when you see other families coming to meet, you like Stoles and oh, the Millers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really is, and that's what I've talked about over and over on this on this podcast. Um, and really, so BJ Pitcher, I'm gonna bring BJ Pitcher. He's Steve's next door neighbor. He used to always come and help out. Now was that for, that that wasn't Bert, was it? Yeah, that oh, was Bert. That's right. So he ended the up driving. Was BJ? Okay, huh? he was the one that ended up driving. He was only he had to be 16 or 17, wasn't he, or maybe 18? 
Well, when it first went up there, it wasn't even that old. It wasn't even driving when we, we used to bring Daryl's car into the driveway. <laughs> well, I was going to say, when but he started then, driving, back though. Back then, Tom, what, what Steve said, back then, all the cars would go up Albany Street. Oh, yeah. And with Daryl's car, and then when I started race, racing in 76, I had the open trailer. Yep. And so, you know, you see these kids coming out waving. I can get tapped the horn real quick, and you stick your hand out the window, wave back at them, and the kids are jumping up and down. They run into the house to get their parents. Or, yep. Yep. Well, and again, but, he's... But at Joya's, the neighbor kids used to come over. And I know Steve Sr. and Jr. had a hard time staying focused on what they needed because, well, come on, all kids, they want to get their hands on. Oh, they sure, yeah, they want to help. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to actually move the cars and get them on the trailer that we could throw some hoops, shoot some hoops, or go to the side play Frisbee. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, and that's what it was. I mean, I know for me, you know, we lived on Syracuse Ave, which wasn't far, the same road the Speedway Press is on. And so we used to have the cars from everybody from the north part or part of, you know, would would come by us. And then my aunt and uncle lived next to Jimmy Ferlito out in southwest Oswego. And so all the cars from, you know, the west would go by them. And so, yeah, that used to be, in fact, um, the yeah, Doug Hevron. <laughs> yeah, well, Jimmy, Jimmy was <laughs> Jimmy. I think played host to half of the uh, super modified pit area at one point or another. Well, we'll stay with you Jimmy know. for a minute. One night, I called. Uh, I text my wife. I'm at Jim Ferlito. You know, I'm, I'm. See you later. Yeah. It was after a race, and Gene Lee was. You know, the Gibsons always sat there. Yeah. So Gene Lee and I were there. Well, I didn't get home till like five in the morning. You know, six or more, something like that. Yeah. Because we just had a good time talking. Absolutely. I mean, it was amazing. You know, and Elaine says, yeah, sure, you're a Felito. Who's Gene Lee? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, you'll get, you'll get to meet him. Yeah. It's it just, you know, and the people that are involved. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, the super modified family back then was just that. Yeah, it was. We were a family that we traveled. You know, I give Steve, you know, yeah, congratulations, handshakes, sir, because he's a phenomenal driver. Oh yeah, you know, with the classic many wins, track championships, and the ISMA. Besides, yeah, yep. You, you know, uh... he, he, and Tom Heffron were instrumental with Jimmy and Nolan, as far as. Establishing ISMA, ISMA yep. for the well-being of for the well-being of the sport, absolutely, and trying to get all the cars in the Northeast under one rule set. Yeah, boy, do we need that now? Strong. <laughs> yeah. me? I said we need that now. <laughs> well, it, what happens? You know, and I again, listen to that interview with Steve was perfect. Yeah, because how he has to not redefine the rule book, but read the rule book clearly. Right. To owners and competitors. Yep. Because back when, you couldn't run wings on a car. Yeah. Not until Matzik built the two for Dunk Dell were wings allowed. That's correct. Yep. Because I tried it. Freddie Graves actually brought one of them. They had him take off. And Freddie got me one. I put it on the back of uh, Daryl's, one of Daryl's cars. I can't remember if it was the upright. I think it was the upright. Or the that's good car, probably the upright. I would guess because that would likely have been later in the process. So I think that was. But the, they made me take it off. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I can't mean, run this. Okay. And opening up that air class, like, it, 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 and I like what they've done now. Yeah, I do too. With a single wing versus the tail section, yep. it's not as expensive yeah. for the owners. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I just wish we'd get everybody on the same page because, again, there are less supers now in the region than there were even back then. And, you know, if everybody was under one rule book, then maybe there's a better chance we'd be able to move around and go do different races and, you know, whatever, and and, and just make it a – it's – um. You know, it's an interesting thing, but you're right. I mean, and of course, back then we had all that variety too, right? We had X Indy cars, you had rear engines, you had side engines, you had upright, you had sprint cars. You know, you had. Yeah. As long as it's 1,800 pounds. And then after Jimmy built the, the radical offset super, okay, now the rule book is defined. Yeah, well, that was only after he built the rear engine, and they got rid of. The, <laughs> I was just talking about that in the post yesterday, but it's it's that was that was an interesting time because like everybody remembers Gary Reichert with the modified slash super, right? And Carb- carbureted modified. Imagine the stories we wouldn't have if super modified racing hadn't been run what you brung. Imagine the stories, the the legends that we wouldn't have. And that's why when, you know, I said in the in, in my comment yesterday on the post, when they banned the rear engine cars, they literally took away the run what you brung aspect because it became a more, here's here's a super. And it was the radical offset. Here's what a super is going to be going forward. And the box got smaller and smaller. And the next innovation wasn't really until Clyde Booth's aero car, you know. Yes. And so... I'm not now. I'm not trying to vilify anybody. I'm simply making the point by observation that this is what happened, whether it was intended or not. This is what happened, and so the golden era of the super modifieds really were the mid to late sixties through nineteen eighty. Was Clyde Booth's car before Dedaro's? Uh, yeah. Well, was, was no, like, Clyde's. Well, no. De, uh, see, but I don't think Didero's was that much different. He had wings on the car, but it still basically was a glorified Graves car, more or less. I mean, yes, it was. I think Clyde they, was they the were. first they one were. to, you know, to really. That was a brand new race car. <laughs> that was a mini yes. Indy car, and yes. you know, and 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 it's like I made the point that the same people who banned the rear engine car, which really wasn't, didn't cost any more, and it wasn't any more difficult to deal with than the front engine car that he had um they they allowed this other car to race and i think i do think that probably somewhere deep down they probably regret that because it what the aero car completely obsoleted everything before it and you know now we have what we have now and we're trying to sort of get back on top of it and figure out a way to almost make it simpler and you know more accessible yeah and more accessible it's slow the the trans What's the right word for this, Tom? What's the right word? Well, should not the transition because I understand what why the management stopped the rear engine car, banned it. Why do you? Th- why? Why would? Because you're a driver. I'm interested in why. Um, why you would? What would be your argument for banning the rear engine cars when they did? I said I understand why Swigo did it. Okay. And the reason well, I the reason I think it, the class just went for for a big transformation. In 1976, right near the end of 76, 77, Kempton Dace was going. You know, everybody was going crazy building new cars. Well, yeah, can't, because <laughs> yeah, you, could, you, you, you know, 
if you didn't have a radical, you didn't have an eight radical offset car, you weren't in the top five. Well, what was interesting was Jimmy had that offset in '76, and then Kemp got all those orders to build new cars, and he was building cars that really were, if 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 everybody had only known, because Jimmy hadn't raced the offset yet, he was actually building cars that were going to be outdated in a year because Jimmy. But here's my question, Jamie: You were around in this period of time when you when when you think about what Jimmy did with the rear engine, he basically found a way. To, to perfect a rear engine design that was as simple and and around and basically the same cost as a front engine. And here's what everybody says. Well, when they ban the rear engine cars, you know, it, 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 we got to ban the rear engines because we can't have everybody going out and buying new cars. They can't afford that. Well, everybody built new cars in 1980 anyway. They were just all front engines. So, all right. you know. I'll think of that. We're, we're talking about that. Yeah. Back then, I, have, I had actually had the opportunity to drive for Jack Tobin. Yeah, in the 21, sure. Yep. 21. Gorgeous and, car. And, and uh, Howard Cocky built it. with. Yep, show car. But that was sure. built. It was, yeah, but it wasn't just a show car frame. That car was built for Bobby Stelter originally. Yes. And yep. so Howard, Howard Hammond and Bobby designed what they wanted. It wasn't a, a regular show car. Right. That shoe like everybody else had. Right. And when I started driving for Jack, I had aspirations of going on farther and racing. Sure. Yeah, I like the you know, open wheels. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, the respect, the, the respect everybody has out there, like Steve said, between driving an, uh, a super and a modified, modified used mirrors and bumpers. Yeah. And wheels. Yeah. Super modified, super modified drivers don't. Right. And so with that, where, where was I going with this? Time was a transition of. Well, you were talking about the rear engine cars. cars. Yeah. 79. Yep. Yeah. The transition of cars. Now, people had to move on. And, oh, that's right, where I was going to be aspired to be another driver. Back in the early 70s, we lost a lot of IndyCar drivers and Formula One drivers through attrition. Yeah. Car wrecks. Yeah. And how many of those you see, the front end's gone, and people with, you know, foot and leg problems? I'm a tall guy. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to go any farther after I saw all that stuff. Yeah. But you, you got these rear engine cars in Swigo now. Because we've been around a long time, we all know how hard the walls are in Swigo and how the the metal gets crumpled up and compacted really quick. Sure. Well, imagine that your feet are the farthest thing to the front end of the car. Sure. Now, because you're laying down and you got all that weight behind you versus the engine in front of you helping absorb and stop that impact to getting to, to you, the crushing aspect of it. Yeah. You I, know, the independent and all this. The front end of the cars collapse really quick now. Yeah. Although, you know, I, the I kind of... Been, the foam has been great for the cars. Yeah. And for the drivers. Yeah. Well, we you didn't know, have it, obviously, wide. back then, sure. And, and But see, back then, that's what also installed respect for right yeah each other yeah we well, don't want to hit the wall the you knew yeah. you hit the wall you yeah. didn't want to hit the wall right oh, yeah heck when i flip my when i flip my 44 down the front straight yeah irony here we go the highs and lows of racing irony yeah today my new ride shows up to 21 yeah <laughs> i get in it to warm it up and all of a sudden we're not racing it so i had to get my car to go take it out for the heat race and the county the county Make the feature, and I flip it down the front straightaway. 
was last time a car was there. And I remember as I'm flipping, seeing the black, the asphalt, the silver walls, the color, the gray, the blue sky. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I see all these colors going as I'm doing cartwheels on the front straightaway. And and mentally, all I'm thinking of is, man, I hope I don't hit that first turn wall. Ah. It's awful hard. (laughs) Because all rookies at Oswego Speedway, the majority of rookies get oriented in the first turn wall. Yeah. 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 I remember Jerry Rich making this comment. He says, I didn't think he'd ever come back as a driver. You know, because first week out in my own car after I got it from Daryl, I went in the first turn to get sideways. You, you go to correct like you do on snow, and a car instantly turns right. Yeah. That was back with the old eight inch offset. And you can't. I uh, use the analogy, driving a super is similar to driving in the winter on black ice. Yeah. Okay. You can drive through it at the speed limit, but hopefully something doesn't happen where you need to hit either hit the brakes or do something. Yeah, maneuver. exactly. Right. You might have to. You might have one chance to do it right. Yep. As long as you you're going straight, it's okay. Yeah. Well, actually, you can go through a corner on black ice at uh, the right speed. Yeah, which usually isn't 55, but... Well, but, it, but again, it's all part of analogy, driving a super to driving on the road. Yeah, I remember... You, I, know, how, you know how tense you, can, you get? Well, when we're on the racer's edge, you know, from going fast and spinning out, you know, being under control to sure. spinning out, that's, that's what they call that fine line, right? The racer's edge. Yeah. I remember... The variables... I think the first time you got in the car, if I, and and I, I, and it may not have been the first time, but I remember Daryl still had it. The first time you drove it, did you not back that it into the, the wall? That was the upright, Tom. That okay. Was the upright. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I you backed it because I remember the next week in the program they had that you don't say little page, and I used to love that because some of them were funny, some of them were dumb, but you got to try, right? So the the, the caption under Daryl's picture, and he had this pain look on his face, was, "Oh no, I I, I just heard a crunch, and I know there's only two cars out there, and one of them is mine." <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> and this was one of those where the caption matched the photo perfectly. It was like somebody did a yeah. really good job on that one. <laughs> Daryl used to let me start the car. Okay. <laughs> so he was, you know, he started, and back then he used to go out on the track to start it. Right. All right. And then, you know, you bring it back in. Well, he did let me take the car out once. Right, so I got my players, put my helmet on, went out there, the upright, and I proceeded to go within the second time he was. He had been running for half a year or whatever. Yeah. Week. And later he says, no, nah, you're not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Doc. You know, whatever. You know, it's your car. And the reason is because if it crashed, he couldn't afford to put it back together. Right. He wanted the race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was shortly after that, a year after that, or two years after that. It was a few years, a couple of years after that. Because he went from the upright. Uh, see, now that we're talking about this, 
Well, if George Orso's car was the first car, then he upright. Yeah, I think so. I think it was. Yeah, I think he. I think he had Orso's first. Um, cause yeah, Os- Os- Bloom built the built the upright because he was building cars for Ryan Wallace back then. Yeah, and then the upright actually was fairly quick at Star Speedway or Pinecrest. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember the last couple of years, or maybe the last year that Daryl had it. You ran the Swigo, and he ran all the Isma shows. That and, was the deal. Yeah, and his finishes started to get better. I mean, he was, you know, he was finishing 6th, 7th, 10th, you know, and then it, he got to drive Jimmy's car at Thompson um, yes. and, and drove that from the back to, like, 7th or whatever, and Jimmy was almost more happy for Daryl than he was for himself. I think he won or finished. He was. You know. He didn't win, and, yes, he was happier for Daryl than yeah. he was for himself. Yeah. And I like come Daryl. I said, Daryl, I said, stop getting nervous. All you got to do is follow the car that's in front of you. Yeah. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to pass anybody. Just follow the car in front of you. If he goes around somebody, follow him. Yeah. If he goes under somebody, follow him. Don't get too far away from the car in front of you. You know the car you're in is as fast as the car that's out in front. Yeah. Nobody else, is, nobody else on the track's going to be faster than the two of you. Well, that's the thing. It's you know, it was, and and I remember Jimmy driving Daryl's car a couple times in in seventy four, I think, when his was or three or four, when his would you know would break, um, and Jimmy yeah. actually did okay with it. I mean, comparatively, um, you know, and, and Jimmy was a driver. Come on, well, yeah, and I'm sure helped Daryl with the setup too. You know, was able to you know, so oh yes, I mean, well back then, I remember well Carl Rutledge, he came over to the upright says, oh, you can't have this like this. Something about the the way the radius rods were hooked to the rear end. Really? It, yeah, he said, it'll, it'll bind this way. So we actually disconnected it and did it what Carl suggested. Amazing. And all of a sudden, the car started working. But, you know, see, that's, again, you know, there was so much of that, it seems like, that went on back in those days. Everybody helping everybody out. You know, well, again, let's go back to the Rutledge family. Yeah. Okay. Carl and Eleanor and Jill and Joanne and Janet. They would be down here every week. The Roy Murphy's family. You know, so we we had the opportunity to have our racing family grow. Yeah. And then when the modified started coming, you know, for the special shows. Yep. You know, we had the opportunity to get to know Dutch Hulk and Richie Evans and Jeff Bodine, Jim yep. Spencer. Yep. And Randy Hedger. I Troyer. Mean, I mean. Oh, yeah. Boy, Maynard. those days in the Modifieds were just glorious. I mean, we could I could spend a whole show just talking about Modifieds. Uh, yes, you could. You know. I mean, it, it's, and the thing is, they're wonderful people. Yeah. We, we, all, we all have the same, you know, addiction. Yeah. Speed. Yep. You know. Yep. Very I much. I like the way you introduce your sh- show with the methanol, the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. <laughs> yes, it's like Don Gray. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know what a photographer and you know an advocate for. Yes, Don is amazing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rick. Rick Nelson. I mean. Oh gosh. <laughs> This is, this is how far back I go. Rick and I became friends like used to go up Friday nights. 
Okay. Because you know, he was a yep. joy, he was a sweet one. Well, I mean, I almost didn't graduate high school in '71 because of too much work in race car. <laughs> Mass yeah, distraction. Yeah, I was fortunate. <laughs> almost, I almost doesn't count. Hand grenades. Horseshoes, the bombs. Yeah. So I think we're almost as close as yeah. it counts. Wow. And Rick was actually my wedding. Oh, wow. And Rick. I, know. Yeah. I knew and you I were close. Travel, but... Oh, yeah. And we were we too, obviously. Are. I mean, Rick was, you know, Rick doesn't, he would deny this, but Rick is a big part of the reason why I'm here doing what I'm doing today because him coming in and becoming my first co-host that I didn't really know I needed for for my show um is really what launched that show i mean it was and rick was rick rick is still one of my i count him as one of my very best friends ever uh and still yeah. to this day and uh you i know, agree with that Tom. yeah i mean and and the times we had were amazing but yeah he was he didn't he, he crewed for you didn't he when he on your crew for when you? i started racing he was there yeah you know and when i and this is back with my original 44 that i bought from Dell. It was a, the Osgood yep. car. Yep. Okay, the first engine problem I had, Rick actually funded me money so I could get buy a, a, an engine from Jimmy. Oh, wow. Because I couldn't afford to put another one together, yeah. Wow. He loaned me, gave me the money. That's awesome. Yeah, he he was, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. And but a I great, used to travel yeah. when I got, when I started, uh, well, actually with my own 44, he and I, that's how I got to meet Larry Bowes. Rick, yes, uh, Jim Florido talked us into going out there. Sandusky. So Rick and I drove out there with the car and practiced. And the first time out there, I ended up finishing second to Schulich. Oh wow! Who had already run five or six races in a row. Wow! And they had, he had a bounty on me. Yeah. And it was amazing. That's where I got to meet Joe Grunda and a lot of Ohioans. You know this. Yeah, now I start thinking. About well, and it. and there's there's some some proof about uh, how you never know when you meet somebody where it's going to go because wasn't it Joe that drove the, the your car in the in the classic the one year when you were were you driving for yes. was it Tobin at that point I guess yes yeah. yes I was driving for Tobin yeah 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 Joe because you know because I actually used to go out to Sandusky for vacation with my family and I spent. Friday night or Saturday in the garage with Joe working on his car for the high miler. Okay. And then when he came to Oswego, with he couldn't uh, back then. A lot of people who came from out of the town, and we'll take this one into another story. Have a hard time getting their Ohio car or Star car, sure, hooked up to the track. Right. Yep. You take a Oswego car, you put a wing on it, and go up there. We're competitive. Oh yeah. And so I, Joe came and told me, yeah, I mean, he's white knuckled, hanging on for dear life in his car. So I go over and bounce on a little bit and start playing with the wet. You know, played, the, made some shock changes and wedge adjustments on. He went out and says, wow, I can actually drive it. And you know, at first he says, you can't do that. I said, okay, <laughs> you don't want me to do it. First, at first, you can't tell a car by jumping on it. I said, okay, if that's what you feel. But. You, you don't want to drive it out there right now, do you? No. Okay, well, change these things around. Now go out there and try it. Yeah. And he was happy. I mean, he was happier. I mean, right, right. Yeah. He was able to compete and not be white-knuckled about it. Right. Yep. 
But then, yeah, he got my car and drove it at the Classic. And then when I got the drive uh, from Joe McGarry, I put Doug Sonier in the car. That's right. Yeah, Doug drove it as yeah, well. Doug yeah, Doug Sonier had a top yeah. five finish in the Classic. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's, see, I love, there again, we, you go back to the, you, you know, we had so much crossover back then. And, you know, you, you the whole month of August. And there, and there was a, Oh, I'm sorry, Tom, but there was it's another right. a, a good example right there. Here's Doug Sonner, who's a champion winner at Sandusky or anywhere yeah. else. He goes with his father, Don, and yet when he comes to Swigler, the 22, he can't even uh, qualify for the race. Yeah. Yep, completely different that's, setup. That's that's really good. That's why I said it's a good analogy. Yeah. Well... You know, and you'd see the whole month of August back in those days. It was all like you couldn't wait to go to the track because each week it was who's coming in to dial in for the classic. You know. Yep. I mean that right. that was special. The whole month of August back then, the the build up to classic was absolutely electric in those days. You just never knew who you were going to see at the track that night, and there were always rumors, and this one's going to drive this car, and that was coming, or you know, and and it just, um, you know, and and again, you know, you met those people back early on and then put a couple of them in your race car later. Who knew, you know, I mean, oh, wasn't in the yeah, plan at the time. Right. You know, um, it, 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 it's, it's family. Oh, it's so straight. Here you go. The first, so the first time I go to Sandusky with a wing, right. And don't, before the start of the race, you get out, they push you off and you get to go around the track. And all of a sudden there's a corner run. Out on the track, up in the first turn, just outside the groove, pointing down. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and he starts running down to the groove. And he, he had, I ended up hitting the brakes and spinning out right there. Oh. <laughs> I, I clipped him. And he ended up denting my wing. Oh, jeez. Okay. It fell down, hit the wing, fell on the right-hand side, you know. Hand injection right to the ground, and I'm like, "What the heck just happened?" I don't believe. I mean, I'm sitting there sideways with the nose of the car pointing toward the inside, sure, the guardrails. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, "Wow!" And he gets up and he runs to the pits, or not the pits, the infield, <laughs> behind a little wall by the start finish line, and all of a sudden, the ambulance. All of a sudden, I see him come out and look at me, and I'm still sitting there, and I'm going, I don't believe this just happened. <laughs> well, they could be straight down. They, you know, push me off. And it was just weird. I thought I'd say it was really weird. Well, I mean, what did you, did you, it feels like the story needs an ending, Jamie. Did you talk to the guy afterward, or what was, what was the he issue? Come to a, he came to a Swigo. His name is Rob. I can't remember his last name. He always would come to Swigel and take time, spend time with me. Okay. Okay. And, but you know, did you ever uh, figure out what he was pointing at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was up there. He was pointing to, for me to get down low. Oh, so you know, he was driver coaching you. you know, we're out there for the start of a race, <laughs> and what, what do cars do before the start of a race? You warm up tires. I see. Okay. So I'm scuffing tires back and forth, and all these guys are in front of me, and I go up the high side and pull back down. Go up the high side and pull back down. You, know, you don't pass anybody. 
Right. Say single file. Right. So I'm doing this. So I go out on the high side, and here he is. And I'm like, because you could see a car coming in off the, the out of the pits, but a person standing there in the back. That lights aren't that great up on the outside of the track. They're right. down low with the groove. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they didn't wear the bright colors back then. Oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> they wear it now. I, okay. So it was like, so I see him. All right, I'm up high and I see him and he, he panics is what happened. Oh. And I and I pull the wheel to head back down because I know what's gonna happen if I don't. And he runs back down. Because he doesn't think now he doesn't think I see it, but he I don't think he's ever took a second look. That's and, funny. Wow. Thankfully he didn't get hurt at all. Because I I mean there was a body indentation in my wing. <laughs> So it absorbed, you know, I don't even think he got cut up much from the falling. That's funny. Maybe he probably has a blank of blue marks the next day, but. It's something to tell the grandkids. <laughs> Grandpa got run over by a race car. <laughs> we, we have a new Christmas song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, oh my. and that, those are the things that you talk about and. You know, I mean, I think we went to Sandusky, and then actually the next day, Rick and I, we went to Flat Rock, Michigan. Okay. And that was the second quick time to, to Shulik again. Wow. Because we went out, we went west when everybody else was headed to Star, the Isma guys. Okay. They went to Star, Rick and I went west. Okay. Were we they... went to Sandusky and raced, and we went to Flat Rock, Michigan the next day. Was, was, Actually, that's the day Tony Lovati hit the wall hard. Okay. Hurt. Were they still, was it, were they trisac back? Was that a trisac deal back then? Rick might remember that one. I don't yeah, know that. I don't know. Because I remember they had it for a while, and then it went away. But, um, yeah, there were a lot of, that was a big Michigan and, and Indiana were big, you know, super modified country yes. back in those days. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, uh, Ohio, Michigan drivers at Oswego. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, there one. again, that I, was, I mean, I used you know. to like, I used to love Nick Rose car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Clear, I mean, that Friar was beautiful. Oh, that was back when hammer, hammer work was done. Yes. Put around the, the mag. Yep. Yeah. A little woodpecker on the side. Well, and, and there again, you know, the, the, the younger racers these days, you know, we all wrap the cars back then they were hand painted. Yeah, and uh, didn't Rick? Did he? Did he ever paint any of your cars? I knew. I know he did helmets, and he used to do great helmets. And he maybe still does. I don't know. I've been asking. My helmets. Okay. He painted yeah. every one of my helmets. He had, he painted most of the cars. Okay. Yeah. Let me say it that way. Most yeah. of the cars. Yep. Yeah. He. Uh, you had some just gorgeous looking helmets. Uh, and yeah. yeah, Rick. Rick had a real talent for that. He, Mike Kapazinski was another one that that could paint really well. I felt bad. You know, because I wasn't able to keep buying a new helmet every year. Yeah. He says, look, Jamie, I'm not going to repaint it, not, you know, again. Yeah. There's one paint job that I did when I, had for, when I was driving for Tobin. Oh, that, that one was. was the oh. purple and, oh, yeah. It was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I've seen pictures of it. Actually, my, the scrapbook that Kathy Nelson put together for me. Okay. Has pictures of that helmet. Yeah, it was, yeah, Rick and Kathy but are the, the cars, best. Yeah, that he was... did most of them. Then uh, 
I know how busy he was when he was having his kids. Yep. So one of the champagne cars I actually taped off and put the V's on it myself. Oh, wow. Okay. Because Kathy, Julia, you know, that's where I got my stenciling, my lettering from. Okay. Yeah, keeping the family. Well, that's what I was going to say. Here again, here come here we come back to the Joya family again. Forty-seven minutes into the show, right? So, I mean, yeah. It's like well, it's, it's where we started, the and then it right, yeah. And that's I tell people all the time, even down here, it's like because when I talk about Oswego, it's like you, the, the one thing you don't understand is that I have I have been involved in all kinds of racing, and I have never seen more of a concentration of second and third generation involvement than I have in a Swigo and the Supermodifieds anywhere else in the sport. Rather, you know, and, and of course, not all the generations are always drivers. Sometimes you get a team owner, you get a, you know, whatever, but you, you, you have more generational involvement in that division. And I think that's what's really, you know, been cool about even bringing the show back is because, you you kind of get to rekindle relationships with the quote unquote family, you know that that you you know through these these opportunities like these interviews, and it's it's so much fun to do that, um, and that's why classic well, every year you, for me is. You and I were talking you know, yesterday, Tom, and you actually brought it up earlier with you and Rick doing uh, the live radio, and I, I know oh, gosh, yes. to be on the, be on that team when we yes. did this, you know this dirt week, yes, yeah, and you know and what being up there. And that was fantastic. And then doing the Victoria races, like wow. Yeah, that's it, first. That's the first time I've ever actually watched a dirt race at Fulton. Oh wow! The time we did the Victoria race. No kidding. Well, come on, you can't watch Fulton and race at the same time. Well, that's time. true. But I mean, you, 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 you know, you know. Again, you don't think about what you're doing when you're doing it. You're just doing it, and you're having a great time. And then you look back years later and go, "Look what we did!" You know, I mean, we we were doing MRN. You know, in the earlier days of MRN. You know, yeah. it was that well, was about what you such a said, blessing. Though. You aren't thinking about doing it when you're doing it. You're thinking, "What do we need to do right?" Right. For yeah. This to be a good show. Yeah. Exactly. All the steps, all the little steps that we took prior to going on air. Yeah, we're talking to drivers yep. and making sure the equipment was working right yep. and who was doing what, when we were doing things. And I mean, I remember you, Rick, and I talking about this, getting together and you doing the announcing and everything. And all yep. I was doing two-way radio between Rick and I. Yes. When he would interview drivers or, you know, yep. me down there. Yep. To comment on different things and at the start-finish line, wherever. Yeah. That's was incredible. And then being able, to, being able to talk to the drivers. While they're on the track, yeah, yep, and during the cautions and things, it's like this is this was way cool stuff. <laughs> it was, yeah, and, and it, it was a blast. We were just you know, getting, we were having fun. We didn't realize like it was this. I think we kind of knew it was a big thing we were doing it, but we didn't, we didn't really. We were enjoying the present that we were giving. Yes, we yeah. were enjoying yeah. the moment. We were the in the moment yep. of that day. Yep. We were yeah. enjoying the moments of that day, doing yep. the best we could. With what experience we had, yep. and every time we did it, we got better at it. And I really got to give Paul small credit because Paul was the one that really sort of orchestrated that whole thing. And and uh, you know we we got to be in on it, and then you know we went and did some other stuff. And and Paul, there was actually I remember when I don't remember the name of it now, um, but there was a sanctioning body that started up uh, that was trying to compete with Dirt, and for a while Rick. And Keith Champagne, who also got his start with me um, as an announcer, Rick and Keith worked the pits for some of those events. And really? um, yeah, I can't remember what the name of it was. It was it was a, it, the 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 folks from Wheels 
started it. Um, and I can't remember the name of, of the sanction, but uh, it only lasted a few years. But, um, yeah, Rick and Keith, actually, I remember being – I don't remember where it was. I don't know if it was at the fairgrounds or somewhere. But um, I remember being there and, and and hearing them doing this, and it was just like, wow, who knew? <laughs> like that was So um, it was just uh, – it was crazy. I mean, that was uh, it, those were some fun times. And again, you know, you do you don't know what what's going to happen in the future. But then when something comes up, it's like, yeah, let's go do that. And you do it, and it's fun. And you look back and go, that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just you know, there were some uh, there were some great times. But you were you were very fortunate because you had so many opportunities to drive for so many great car owners. I, I want to have you talk a little bit about each, uh, about a few of them anyway, um, starting with Jack Tobin. Talk about how you got that ride and talk about what it was like to race for, for those guys. Well, let me see. How do I start? Well, Jack called me, asked me if I wanted to drive for him. He said, we're building a brand new car and want to know if you want to drive. Can't, can't want some woman. <laughs> so that's why you heard the background. We have three cats. Gotcha. From the same litter. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, so Jack asked me, and they said they were building a new car, and I wanted to drive one. I'm not sure. And actually, I had just, I only had been driving a couple of years. Yeah. Because I started in 76, and actually that year, the rookie of the year was Dick Batchelder. That's right. So, yep. A rookie to a Swigo. Yeah, he Not wasn't a rookie. But... <laughs> and so I would go over to East Syracuse on a night and where Jack's shop was and the car frame is there. And we would finish putting it together. Howard Hammond show there and Jack, myself. And we fabricate some parts. And then from there, once the car got together got, and we got to the track, after that, it was uh, went to Howard's shop. Okay. Up in Scriba. And so I had a couple of, you know, friends that was on, on that crew. Uh, Jerry Brock and John Farrell. And we would go to um, Scriba to work on the car. But Jack gave me an opportunity to drive one of the best cars of the wheel. Yeah. And one of the, the prettiest. That car was gorgeous. It was definitely pretty. I oh. mean, he wanted gold leaf. Howard Howard is an innovator. Okay. A lot of the ideas that went into this new car, he did. And... Also changed a few things while I was driving, and it was that, and that, that itself was a challenge at times. Oh but, yeah. Well, as a driver, I ex, you know you expect the car's going to be as the same way it was last week when you came. Right. Unless the, unless the you know mechanic tells you, hey, I changed something. I want you. Just let me know. Yeah. Just let me know you changed something. That's right. all. Right. Because usually you get out there, as soon as the car gets warm a little bit, power down, you go and let it go. Right. I remember spinning out, go, 
going spinning out going into the third turn in warm-ups because uh, he changed the torsion setup on the rear. And didn't tell you? And didn't tell me. Oops. Because, <laughs> I, you know, I don't walk around the car, look at the car, what changes are made. Right. I'm, you know, I, you know at that time, because I wasn't in the garage. Right. After the car was built, I was in there every week helping maintain it because Howard did it with his brother Jim. Right. And then Buddy, Chauncey, now Mike DeCarroll. They were the crew that was near Howard. Right. And I remember the car spinning. I was like, holy cow. What what just happened? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it shocked me. To say the least, it wakes you up quick. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not the turn that you want to go into a wall. No, you don't yeah. want to go into any walls. But... Well, no, but that's the worst one because you're going the fastest going into that corner, right? What, yeah, when you go down the back, you know, down you go down the back stretch and you go to let off, and a car turns on you. Okay, you know, go put your right sideways, letting off. It's like yeah. something's not right. I only had that happen twice. Okay. That was the first time, and the second time was in the uh, uh, 25, the orange 25 of Glenn's Daily. Yes, the, yes, Brian, the Herb Brian Herb car, yeah. Another pretty and car. Brian's cars were always fast. I'm going, yeah. this is cool. Well, I went out there and slow warm-ups and going, doing fine. But then, you know, all of a sudden, the green comes. and So I get on the throttle to go down the back stretch, let off to go on the three again. All of a sudden, the car pitches again right sideways. And what happened, they put... After I talked to him later, after we got to think later, didn't say anything either time. Let's leave it that way. So they made some changes, and I, you know, looked at the car guy, some bounce on it, and things I learned from Joyous. <laughs> yeah. All right, and seeing how the thing moved, and it's like, what the heck? Well, we took it apart. I said, well, you didn't put it back together right. I said, <laughs> you sure you got the right? Torsion bars on the right, the left rear and the right rear, the correct. Because cars shouldn't turn like that when you let off the throttle, when it drops down. Did they fix it? So we fixed it. Yeah. And then I actually I raced for him just a few more times. Yeah, you you ran. Gosh, you ran for Tobin. You ran that car. You ran for good grief. Oh, I mean, I, I, I had a one, one a one night ride in the uh, Herm Graf's car. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> See, I don't remember you being in the fifteen. Yeah, was that the last fifteen that that? Yes, Ronnie Wallace. I don't remember that. That was before I got with Tobin. Okay. That was before Tobin's, yep. You see, because when I was driving for myself, you know, I'd have, you know, like anybody, have mechanical problems or yeah. you bend something. Yep. And you parked the car. And so I got in the, that car. And actually, wow, what stories. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I feel like we could go on all afternoon. You you ran for Skip Matzik a time or well, two, let's right? Stay with, let's stay with Tobin. Let's stay okay. with Tobin. Okay. Okay, before you bounce me in all these other cars. <laughs> <laughs> because I had an opportunity to drive 
class car for you know a wonderful team. Oh yeah. Okay. They really were a wonderful team. And you know, I got my first win driving for Jack at Thompson, Connecticut. He did, yes. Sure did. Went from green to checkered. Yep. And I remember and my second win with the wing was also with the Tobin 21 down at uh, Owego. Yeah, yeah. Both times, Dougie was second. Okay. And like in, yes, which is awesome. Sure. Because that's when he won the Israel yeah. Championship. I yep. mean, Dougie was out of, out of role. Oh, he was. And see, and during the time I drove for Tobin, well, was it 1982 when Jimmy was killed? I was started because Jimmy was in the 89. Yeah. And I started third. Jimmy was on the outside of the front row. He had qualified on the outside of the front row. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely an emotional race for all of yeah. us. Yeah. So after that race, I went to Norm Foster. And say, hey, Norm, when you go to sell the eight ball, can I have first refusal, please? It was up for sale then, but I knew Mike was going to get the ride with the 89. Okay. Clyde. Yeah. Mike and I, a preamble to this, this, this part, Foster, Mike and I actually worked together on the potato wagon for Norm Foster when Jim Champagne drove the dirt car. The dirt car, okay. Okay. That's how Mike and I got real close. Gotcha. And I busted on Mike. He's the old Mike. Your first one of the Swigo. You jumped the green going into three while I was leading the race. <laughs> and the tower never threw the caution. I'm waiting for the caution to come back out because you were ahead of me before we even got in the third turn. You couldn't, you're not supposed to go until you get to the green light. Shh, you, nobody you know, will notice. I mean, I, and I busted on Mike about it, and he kind of laughed. I said, hey. Could have been a nicer guy that did it, but about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was frustrating for me, Mike. Because I really wanted to get you know, a feature win for yeah. Jack as yeah. we go. A lot of seconds and thirds, unbelievable number of heats and semi wins, Kasi wins. And no matter where I went with the car, we were fast. Wow. Yes. You know, Sandusky, high miler. Leading it with Dougie running second to me. I remember going into the first turn, and I'm going around the lap cars. Not just one. I'm going to lap two or three cars. Wayne Landon happened to be the second car in line. He hit the third car that I was, going to, that I was heading around in turn two. And the car come, come out on me. And I ended up catching a wheel and stick it in a guardrail. It's the only time I saw my life flash before my eyes. Wow. Because well, I knew history. Yeah. That's how, uh, was it Nolan Johncock was killed? That's okay. Sandusky. Okay. Going through the guardrail. Yeah. And I'm like, and so they actually had a hard time getting the car back in on, back on the trailer. You know, I was upset. I was real upset because I crashed. Yeah. Especially that severely. I crashed a few times severely. Yeah. I'm kidding who? Yeah. Boy. Coming out of two with Chuck Sippridge. Oh, that was. Ugh. I think I think I was leading the race. 
second. Yeah, I think you 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 two were battling, and I don't we were remember. Battling, and we we're coming out of two, and all of a sudden, uh, my right rear, uh, his left front, we came together coming off of two, and I ended up doing cartwheel, uh, not cartwheels, but like top spin, south yeah. back straightaway, toward the front axle, right out of the car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both of you had bad damage in that one. That was a violent crash. Yeah, Chuck was in a 36. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you had yeah. a few of those, but uh, boy, yeah, um, that, you then were. I, then I had my bell run once but up between three and four. I was passing Warren Conium on the outside going into three. Um, and a soft plug came out of the engine. Oh, boy. It was a third time. The soft plug come out. Wow. Yeah, but not the you know, not the same soft plug. Well, I don't, I don't know if I should say it that way. I really don't know, but I know Howard put new soft plugs in it, and then he actually put a rubber plug in it. Had to break a couple of ribs in that accident. Mm. Going into three, third turn wall between three and four. Yeah. Come on, Jamie, keep thinking. So. They come to find out they took the engine out after after it crashed it, and uh, found that the head the deck wasn't flat. Oh wow! So it was blowing the compression right into the water jacket. That's what caused it. Okay. Well, you know, so I got fixed, and we, we'll continue racing because my win was after that with the car. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm in classic, running second to Bellinger. They have my brake line go. Is that what happened? The brake no, line? No, no brakes. Yeah, <laughs> you need those. I remember going, you know, going to hit the brakes, and it's like to the floor. You pump a little bit, and it's okay. Next, next lap, there it goes down again. I'm like, okay, that's swing you can't play Russian roulette like that. No, you never know when you're going to need the brakes. Yep. Now Sandusky, you can run without brakes because you got the wing on. Right. Okay. It helps you slow down. Plus, you can actually go into the infield if you have to. Yeah. If the track gets black, you could go into the infield. Swingle, you can't just do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a hub rail there. Um, yeah. Without brakes, it's kind of hard to spin out. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, I, I'll i tell you what. Then, you, I lot, then, I brought, then we blew an engine to the Swingle, leading the Classic. Yeah. Actually, let's go back to that. So I crashed a car Sandusky. High miler. Leading the race. Howard Hammond did a fantastic job putting the car back together. I can't tell you how many nose cones we had crashed. Or probably some front axles. And yet, I don't, think, I don't think that many. But Howard, being an innovator, the nose cone was attached to the front axle. Back then, you could do those little, little things. Yeah. And the car was, like I said, the car was always fast. So Howard puts the car back together, and I wasn't at the shop, you know, a lot after the car was built and put together. They bring the car to the Classic, and Jack gets there and he says, Well, I, I see you've got a ride already. I said, What do you mean? Well, you were in the Mad 6 3. I said, well, yeah, that's, he asked me if I'd take it out because Herman Holly wasn't, wasn't able to get the Lindblad car around. He was having problems with it, so I told him I'd take it out for him. 
He said, are you driving that? I said, no. I said, this is my ride, isn't it? I'm driving a 21. He goes, yeah, okay. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I do so remember I got, you getting in the three car. Yeah, well, that was the, the Limblad three. Yeah. Yep. It was classic weekend. Yep. And I took it out for Skip and... You know, hot lap had a little vision. I actually time trialed on it. Well, I came back in, and Jack's car got there late. Matter of fact, for time trials. Yeah. Because he parked up by the scales. Howard. So I get in the car and didn't get a chance to go hot lap sessions. You know, they just got the engine warm. and Yeah. I get in the car and first lap was pretty good. I mean, Howard always was good at putting the car yeah. back as good as it was. Right. But for he was fantastic with that. I you know I had that confidence in him. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, okay, second lap, I can give it a little bit more. I can go harder. You know, we don't want to go hard to you know totally all out the first lap in case something happens. Second lap, you can go farther. Bentley Warren taught me how to time trial by right. watching Bentley. Yep. Between him and Champagne, okay, Jimmy was always so smooth. He was. Yep. Bentley likes loose cars. Yeah. <laughs> Bentley was Luke's a ground pounder. Yeah. Loose is fast. T- tight's not fast. Yep. So I remember going on the first turn. Okay, it was okay. You know, if I go farther, if I go deeper this time, I. And so I did. I went in deeper, and all of a sudden the car goes sideways, and I'm waiting on it. And I can hear the tire squealing <laughs> as I'm going up toward the second turn wall. And then I just kind of throttle it a little bit more and dirt track it, come out of two, ease off, drop, or finish going around. Or Actually, that was for the time checkered flag. So come down, pull in the back, pick right to the scales, the whole crew, Jack, Howard, everybody's jumping up and down. We're on the pole for the classic. Yeah. And then, Schuett goes out. Yeah. And beats me. So now I'm outside pole, not the pole. Which was still great. <laughs> you know? It was still it was still great. And that after that year, they banned salamanders. You can't heat up the tires in the pits. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's people being, you know, coming up with better ideas to sure. go faster. Yeah, yeah. Fun and, stuff. And I remember the, you know, the start of the race. We're side by side going. And at the end of the first lap, I'm in the lead. And it felt like somebody had me on a, a string from the pits. And just spinning me around the track. The car, I'd let off the gas and roll, let out, just roll into the corner. Back out, you know, the, the car was flying. And halfway through the race, the engine came apart. And it's the, the only time I actually hit, is it coming apart, I'm still hitting the throttle. Because I knew enough, you got to keep the rear tires going. Because if it locks up, you're crashed. Just between three and four. Right. 
Well, we came in the, you know, they brought the car in the pits and Out of that race. Next week, you know, Jack puts another engine in it, and we go to Star Speedway. It's always the week after the Classic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Star Classic. And um, I ended up finishing second to Batchelder. <laughs> after we had after I had come in the pits to put gas in it, fuel in it, like alcohol, but I had to, had to refuel because it started sputtering. So as we're going around slow, I'm right. pointing to the gas tank, pointing to the tank in the back. I pull in, I put fuel in, push me right back off, I get in the back of the pack. I proceeded to catch back up, go through the field, but as other cars were running out, I mean, I'm catching, I caught Batchelder, actually, I caught Howie Brown, never did catch Batchelder. Because coming off the fourth turn, Howie Brown pushes Batchelder across the start finish line. It's like son of a bee. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about guys working together. But I had the fortune, you know, fortune to race with, you know, Ollie and, and oh, seeing Ollie yeah. race. And I didn't race again. But Batchelder and Howie Brown and Larry Record. Eddie West. Uh, yeah. Boy, so many Dom McLaren, Russ, Russwood. Russ yeah, yeah, Big Daddy. Yeah. I mean, oh, you know, there were some New Englanders, weren't there? I mean, there that, were some awesome New Englanders. Oh. Yeah, Bentley. Come on, he's not New Englander, was he? Russ Wood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, we forget about Bentley. I mean, you know, <laughs> so this is I'm, I'm in the 21 car. Yeah, I remember Russ. Uh, uh, no, I remember Eddie Shabert getting Bobby Fitzpatrick after Russ Wood stopped driving. He had Bobby yep. Fitzpatrick. And I actually commented that I said, you know, it's a great. It was great that after he crashed, that you put him right back into another car. That was a great thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, those were uh, those were fun days. I mean, that was those were awesome days. Yeah. 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 So you know, the Tobin ride got me a lot of experience and learned how to dirt track cars, and and actually, I picked up a program at the museum yesterday of the what was it eighty two. Or 80. When was the first Super National sort of the fairgrounds? Oh, that was uh, late 70s. 77, 78, I think. Somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. So, Jack told me he was going to run the fair. Going to run the fair. He asked, what do you think? I said, that'd be great. He said, well, I'm thinking of putting Bobby Stelter in the back of the old, the old car. Oh, he still the had old it? Car, which was an Indy Roadster. Okay. And I said, okay. I see Bobby was sat on the pole with it. Yeah. Right on the pole with the front row. Yep. Of course, he had raced dirt back in the day. He had run some yeah. dirt track. Yeah, he was a pretty good dirt track. In fact, I, it's like people have told me over the years that, uh, and it's funny because this, this will lead, because he's being inducted this weekend into the Hall of Fame. You know, there were, there were people that joked with me over the years that he was a better dirt track driver than he was a pavement driver, which I kind of laughed at because, of course, that wasn't true. But but uh, the way he used to spin the tires with the Buckner 36 sometimes, you'd, you know, you'd swear. And, and I remember him actually um, when when Ralph Wissing went to buy the motor out of the Keenan Addy 35 that Johnny Logan had driven. 
They ended okay. up making him such a deal that he just got the whole car. So he shows up with the car. Gary Kelly drives it for a couple of weeks. And then come Classic, they had the four back. So Stelder jumps in this 35. He didn't qualify it. But I remember him in time trials being dead sideways and turn one both laps. Like, <laughs> just like he, was, he was my favorite driver when I first came to Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> he was fun. Racing. He was fun. The old four. The old Bartholomew car. Okay. Yep. The woodshed. Wood the woodshed. Yeah. I just love that car. It was so different from anything else. Yeah. That's yep. what I liked about it. The color and then Bobby always sliding it. Yeah. He was something that, uh, yes, he was. you know, he. And I, actually, I actually gave him a, a rabbit's foot after a few races going up there. You know, after that was after Daryl drove or we went in the pits. Okay. I remember saying, Bobby, here. And he hung it in the car. No kidding. Because he had had bad luck for a couple of weeks, few weeks. That's funny. I just, I just liked him. Bobby was, a, he was fun to be around. Yeah, yeah, he was a cool. And some guy. of his brothers. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to. I never did get to know his brothers, but of course, Bobby being the driver, he used to get his autograph all the time, and you'd stand around. And of course, Bobby liked to. He could drink a few, and yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you never knew after you know once he started doing that, you never knew what it was going to be. He had another brother, Billy, who liked to drink a few, and he had another brother, Jimmy. Okay, was yeah, a little quieter. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I got the opportunity to see Jimmy actually last year at the Old Timers reunion. Okay, I was fortunate to go to that for you know a few years. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. It's yeah, I love emceeing that because again, it's like a it, it, for it's me, a, it's, it's like a reunion. It is, yeah. The family, it's a family reunion. And it's not it just is. drivers. I mean, it's or you know, there's the the, the crews are there. Yeah, the spectator, the team owners are there. Billy Wright, you and know, actually some of the Steve Miller. Uh, Dan Holinsky? Yes. Yep. All right. Was there? I actually had the opportunity to give Mike. Uh, um, hang on a minute. Oh, can I get? Ooh. I keep thinking of Billy Whitaker. It's not Whitaker. Whit. Who was one killed in the third turn? Classic. Gary Witter. Gary Witter. Mike yeah. Witter. I gave Mike Witter a ride. In the two-seated super, I get to meet oh, him. Oh, okay, okay. And I got wow. to see him again at a reunion, yeah. Wow. Tommy's leasing son. Yep. I got to be see Brian Herb's family. Yes, at last reunion. I did too, yeah. In fact, I've got Brian's phone number, and he's agreed to uh, to do a future show, and I'm really excited about that too. And that was funny. I bring Brian up because I had a chance to drive his car, and I told yeah. him about what, what the Staley's did. But also, he was it the following week or a couple of weeks after that when we had the ISMA meeting at Trackside? Brian come up and sit down. He goes, Do you know, Jamie? He says, You are a hell of a driver. Anybody can get in the car without going, you know, doing the hot laps, a time trial like you did. I said, Well, thanks, Brian. It means a lot coming from you. Yeah. Because I had a lot of fun racing wheel to wheel with Brian. Oh yeah, and he, you know, him and Mike Rizzo. I mean, family. Oh yeah, there is Wizard. Yeah, I, I, I got to mention the Riz because when I was driving for Tobin, all right, we had blown an engine, another engine problem. We had a lot of engine problems with twenty one. Mike gave us his backup engine, and I started it. Okay, and went out there in a warm up, or started it. Maybe as it was warming up, I come back and I go, I said, come here. And I grab Howard's hand, I put it on the car. 
I said, and I pointed at the engine, it's vibrating. So I went and got Mike. I said, Mike, I says, the engine's vibrating. I said, don't worry about it, run until it blows. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Mike Rizzo. Yeah, run until it blows. We, we beat him in points that night, that racing, that race. And we didn't have an engine. Wow. And he, yep. But when I was doing a show with um, Joe Morata, when he on the radio a while ago, yeah. Riz called up and he reminded me, you know, Jamie, when we raced, we raced with the best of best. And we were, it, it was an accomplishment just to make the feature. Yeah. The field of 24 cars. When you think of, what, three, four heats? Yeah. Two, two semis, and then one, sometimes two Katsis. Because there were so many cars. Yeah. Or you'd have a you'd have a fourteen or fifteen car single consi sometimes. Yes. Oh, it was I mean, winning a consi was not a negative at that point because no. there were always good cars in the consi. I started at a time, seventy six, I started at a time when Ronnie Wallace, Nolan Swift, oh, yeah. John Macris. Yep. Uh I think Baldy Baker was still there. Yep. 22 by then. You know, Jimmy, Champagne, Kempton Dates, Kenny Andrews. I mean, I was just like odd when I think back of who the people that I raced against. Yeah. Well, that's, I've always. And, and I bring them names up because Ronnie Wallace, Nolan Swift, Champagne. By watching these guys race, but more importantly, being on the track with them at the same time. Yeah. You know, learning from these guys how you make a car, how you can run two grooves at once cleanly. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You know, not by, not by anything but taking taking a different line when you go in, altering your lines. Sure. Not being in the same line all the time. And you learn how to do it. I mean, Eddie, Eddie B. Oh, yeah. Well, you had Steve, yeah. you know, Conium. You know, Steve, Steve and Eddie, they, they probably put on one of the best races I've ever seen. One night, they take turns passing each other. Yeah. And slide, and doing a slide job in front of each other. They knew they were going to do it. They did it. Yeah. I almost want to think Hebron was running at that time. Dougie didn't start till 78. 78. Okay. Yep. Yeah, but this, this race wasn't at my very early I remember Steve and Eddie doing the same thing, going in, pass each other. Every lap, okay. the other one would be leading. Yeah, so they I, well, they, going, they I think they had a couple corner. of those. Those two were, you know, you had the, it was funny because, you know, you have your little stories within the story. So you have, you know, big picture is we're racing Super Oswego and you have all these big names, but then you have, we had, for a while it was Fulton versus Oswego. You had Eddie from Fulton and Steve yeah. from Oswego and there was that whole sort of, um, you know, little rivalry that developed out of that. And then, of course, later you had the, the, the Haveron-Bellinger rivalry, which, you know, hit fever pitch. Um, and then yep. you, you know, but you had these, you know, back earlier than that, Champagne and Swift, you know. Um, and that that really, you know, honestly, those little moments, and you had later ones, Muldoon and Didero, et cetera. But those moments yeah. made you know, were, were what kept you coming back to see what would happen next, you know? Well, seeing, seeing Nolan Swift come from two laps down. Yeah. Was probably the best classic I ever saw. Yeah. Yeah. 
And there again, you know, it, it, Nolan was, a, and again, most of Nolan happened before I started going because I started going in 73. And, and I, I saw like the last maybe two years of Nolan's like being at his, you know, able to win. Um, and so, so much of his happened before me. But yeah, I remember hearing about times like, like that when, you know, that was a year I don't think anybody really thought Nolan could win the classic. He had hadn't had a great year. You know, and all of a sudden, here he comes, and he was, was so good at that. That, came, that was the year he came out with a the, the car. Was this a, a weird front end? And yeah. they actually cut it off. Okay. And put a new uh, front end, front end on it for the classic. Yeah. See, that was he was always he was he so many times on classic weekend made a drastic change to a race car, and in fact. I was, he and Billy were good. Yes. They were a great, te- great team. His last year that he raced full year in 77, same deal. They, 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 hadn't, they, they won at Fulton with a wing, and they could run well with a wing with that car, but it wouldn't hook up without it. It had no bite. Uh, and he, before the classic weekend, they cut the car, and I think, if I remember, they lengthened it about eight inches, six or eight inches. And and came back out on Sunday, and he went like a bat out of you know what, and ended up seventh. And it was it was like that one last miracle for him, um, just to prove he could still do it. And then you know, and then of course he retired in seventy eight. But um, he was a guy that was you know you're you're you know you equate it in other sports to the hail mary. He nobody could throw a better classic weekend hail mary than Nolan Swift ever. You know, no. <laughs> he was just unbelievable. Um, see, I see. I, I've, we've been up there. I've, I've listened to Champagne, and I'm trying to think who else. They actually take a spark plug out, and they're out there. Joy might even done it, running on seven cylinders to time trial. Okay. Or to race because something had broken, and by taking the spark plug out, you're not, you, you're not you're still losing power, and yet it's not going to damage the engine as much. Okay. And, and to see and listen to how fast and seeing how fast they actually go with seven cylinders. Yeah, you learn about smoothness, technique. You know that's one of the reasons. I, you know, watching Jimmy, I'd like like Mister Outside, like yeah. Joe Gosick right now. It's so fun to watch Joe run. Yep. Yeah. You know, he's because he's on the outside too, and that's where my, one of my favorite places when I raced was. Well, and he... I could run on the on the wall, but I preferred higher. It's uh, Jack's not worn out up there. It's faster. <laughs> it's well, and see, it's it's interesting because you know now, of course, I think the track's at a point where without the uh, the um, so, I just call it track tack, but you know whatever it is that they they actually call it that they put down without the the the, the help up there in the top groove, I think you you know you have a harder time now. But you have the occasional driver that you see, and I think it's a combination of you obviously have to be able to race well and have the car set up for it. But I think it takes a bigger set. <laughs> I think it, you Otto. know you can, Otto. Yeah, I mean uh, Otto well, does it also. Yeah, Abel and you're right. Otto, it, 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 and they know. have bigger balls. Yeah. I mean, a bag you for know, balls, bag for the balls. Yeah, there big, you go. yeah, <laughs> a bigger, bigger bag, bag for, the for the balls. Well, it, you know, Shartner, <laughs> Andrew Shartner does it in the small block class all the time, and and he loves the top. And and I mean, that's you know, it, you've got to 
it, it takes work to, to figure out how to run the top. And, you know, um, there were a handful of guys over, over you know, the, the time I've been going that, that were sort of that. Ronnie Wallace, Abled, you know, um, Shartner in the small block, uh, Otto, um, you know, now uh, Gozik. But, you know, there, there weren't a lot of guys that really kind of used it as their sort of preferred offensive move. Um, no, see the fast cars who tried to do that? Didn't like it because they they didn't prepare the outer groove. Yeah, because I remember one classic that I actually got the lead in. I think Bellinger might have won it. Eighty seven. Yeah. Yep. Or eighty six. I, I, I think. Passed, or eighty eight. I can't Eddie. remember. In that. I had passed. I'd be coming out of three. I, he got caught behind. Uh, Packer, Gary Evans. Yes. You know, Gary has a unique groove. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> so, I, so I knew, I knew where, he, I knew where he was going. Yeah. And I had shown Eddie a couple of times on the outside. Yep. But but I didn't stay there. Right. Just so he knew the number on the board was real. Actually, that was the year of the two-hour rain delay. Actually, you know what? That was eighty. 80- I think it was eighty was eighty six, I think, or eighty eight. I can't remember which, but I think it was more like a six hour rain delay. Eighty four. It was. It was no eighty four. Bentley won. Eighty five. Eddie won. But I don't think that was a rain delay. It was the year because Mike Ordway was running for Booth that year, so I think it was eighty six. Um, well, that that that's not the same. Well, I'm. Oh, okay. Because I know there was when Mike Ordway ran for. Wait a minute for Booth. Yeah. No. In the ninety nine. All right. Maybe. After okay. Conium got out of it. Okay. All right. All right. I'll accept that one. <laughs> I'm not going to correct you. Because I remember Mike Ordway running for Graves, the house car. Well, yeah, that was after. Yeah. Yeah, okay, but you, so, I remember you getting the lead in that race. I took the lead, and then a yellow came out. Yes. And they put me back behind Bowser. Yes. I'm like, what the heck? Yes. I thought you were supposed to stay where you are on the track. Why did he get back in front of me? Yes. I remember that so clearly because I was just like, I can't believe they just did that to Jamie. Like, what were you doing? <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Yeah. So, no, I, I remember that. Thing in there. I'm like, what the heck? And a matter of fact, at that time, um, Dorsik had gone laps down, came in the pits, came back out, was going through like gangbusters. You know, because he got back up at the top yeah, you know near the yep. front, but he was laps down. Yeah, but he, you know, he well, go. Joe was fast. I mean, Joe was fast. Yeah, maybe about it. Yeah, but I remember because I was behind. I remember being bumped. It was again. It was a rain out one. Yeah, I'm ninety percent sure. Yeah. Yes. No, you're you're right because it it, it I actually because Bill Foley came in and was hey Jamie, I'd like to do an interview with you. I hear you're fast as a car out there. I said, Bill, later. You interview me later to start finish line. Not now. <laughs> you know, because I went up to the pace car. Okay. Uh, Norm let me sit in the pace car. Took a nap. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to stand around or try. We it was were, wonderful. I was, so I, I went, get out, and I went over to see Gene Lee, and I said, hey, Gene, look. Yeah, you've got enough beer now. I says, I'm faster. Let me, you've been running me all over the racetrack. 
If I go high, you, you drift up. I go down low, you're chopping. I says, I'll give you a few laps. Go by Eddie. Three laps. I says, then let me go around you. I says, hey, just let me go around you. I'm not going to go underneath you. I don't want anybody else to pass you. Then you can follow me when I go by Eddie again. So when the, we got on the track, we started drying the track out. I got up in the high groove because I knew where I was going to pass Gene Lee between right. three and four. And I started drying it where I was going. And the green came out, and right to the outside I went, passed by Gene Lee. Okay? And I was being patient to time myself with Eddie. Because we had came together a long time ago with, when I was in the 21. And right. I felt so yes. bad. Yes. He, uh, it was Friday night practice before time trial or something. I was following Eddie because he was always fast on time trials. Yeah. And he bobbled going into one. I tapped him, put him sideways, and he ended up catching him, you know, doing a little bit of damage. Yeah. Him. Not a lot, but I felt real bad that day. I was like, damn it, Jimmy, you're better than that. You know? So after that, I, I stopped practicing with around anybody. Practice by myself. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, because I trusted Eddie. Right. But I didn't know. You know, when he bobbled, right. I was too close. Who knew? Yeah. You know, to avoid what was going on. Right. So after that one incident, it's like, okay, I can go back to Bentley's story. I can I can go sideways by myself. I can overdrive myself and not a problem. Right. But can't overdrive around other cars. Right. Because that's where problems come in. Right. So going to three, all of a sudden, the the panel, the high man, uh, broke on the, the rear, on the panel rod in the rear. So I'm spinning out, going into three, and then I only uh, end up by the third turn wall, and Gene Lee's up there with me. It's like shit. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about the best you yeah, can I'm say, not right? I swear. I forgot. No, 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 that's all right. It, it, it's, 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 uh, it, it's. But, but it's those things like that, you know, you think about those yeah. little things that, you know, could have been, would have, should have. There wasn't. That's all. There wasn't. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate enough, like I said, taking my car to Star for their classic after the swing. <laughs> Way funny. And I'm talking about the champagne car. Yeah. Yep. yep. And halfway through, when they stopped to refuel on the track, I'm sitting there and, and, on the inside of Bentley. And I'm sitting on the right rear tire, and I got my finger on it. Bentley comes up, what are you doing? I says, I got a leak in the tire. He says, yeah, sure. So I take my finger off the tire, and it's going, I put my finger back out. He says, you got to go over the pits and change it. I said, Bentley, not right now. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, if I go in now, I go down two laps. If I wait until the caution comes out, all I do is go back to the back of the field. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, really. It's the, the wow. law and the rules that they make. Wow. Yeah. Bob Webb, Bob Weber was it was a great promoter. From what I hear, his son's doing well too. I have a yeah. Oh so yeah, very I, much. You know, Rick Rick was there with me. Right, Rick was fueling the car, and I go, Rick, do me a favor, go see Kevin Lyons. Okay, I know he had a, a fairly new tire. Get the tire and rim. 
what? I said, ask him if, you, if I can have the tire and rim. I'll buy him a brand new tire next Saturday at Oswego. And if I damage the rim, I'll buy him a new rim too. Because I didn't want a brand, you know, right. I wanted one that's right. been scuffed in. Yeah. And the one Kevin had was scuffed in. Yeah. So he got it. I came in the pit. Rick changed the right rear. And I, I don't know if Carl Geisinger was with us too. Or I can't remember the rest of the guys yeah. in the crew. Yeah. And we started in the rear and came back up through and ended up fishing second to Bentley. Now, at, at the end, they tried to uh, say I was down, laps. I said, no, no. Oh, yeah, you went in the pits. I said, yeah. Well, I came back out and I passed everybody. I literally passed Bentley. He was He won the race. Right. But I had passed up earlier going through. I was coming back up again. I was going to get straight away. You know, fresh straight away. That's all I had to, right. to pass him to win. That's you amazing. Know? What a... And it's like, so you think about good memories? Yeah. That's a great memories. Well, the thing is, like, we've been an hour and a half already, and I feel like we haven't even covered half of your career. You know, well, that means I should stop now. No, we well, started talking. Well, we, we got stuck on Tobin's car, and then I went to my car a couple of races with Tobin. And my, well, but I mean, what's Star, what's been Star was fun to race. Star is definitely. A, a I love that race, even though it's a third yeah. mile. As soon as the green comes out, you're in traffic the whole time. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. I, I mean, I, but great, great race in there. It was, yeah, and and the thing is, like, what I love about this interview is we literally have talked about so many other people as much as you've talked about yourself, and that's, you know what, Jamie, that's that's how I've always thought about you, and that's how I still think about you. You are as selfless as anybody I've ever met, and well, the other people who helped make me who I exactly. am, exactly, yeah, and that's you know, the all the people I mentioned contributed to who I am, Eddie. Steve, I mean, you know, I talk about Steve. I, I'm talking about Mr. G and Betty, right? As much as the kids, Donnie and everybody. I mean, sure. you know, we have utmost esteem for each other. Absolutely, we're, we're family. Yep. We're family. Yep. I felt so bad when Betty passed away this this past oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah. But I was fortunate because Steve texted me. He told me about you know her, you know, falling and you know what was going on. I right. mean, we have remained close all these years. Even though I had been away, sure, I stopped racing because I had a hip replaced. Right, and I, you know, and I didn't want my left one, and I didn't want to be pushing on the brake when I hit the wall. Yeah, jamming again. It felt good exactly. not to be in pain for the first time in a long time. Sure, and that you know what that, that's going to happen. Either I'm going to hit somebody in front of me, or I'm going to hit the wall. Right, and I didn't want to go through that again. Yeah. Yeah. So all the drivers, let's see, Jim Rogers, I drove for him for a couple of weeks in the Classic. Yep. And that's when Mike Wardenway was in the Graves House car. Yes. It's yep. the only time, and I hate to tell you this, Mike, but it was the only time I cheered for Rudy. I actually pumped my fist when I went by him going into the first turn. <laughs> he was all against the wall. Because <laughs> he had lapped me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're back on the lead lap and, now. And, and I'm like, I don't believe this. Yeah, he was... They were trying to run well, away and it, hide that year. Yes. You ran the tire it, it, it off It was a car. great plan. Yeah. It was a great, great strategy. Until it didn't work. <laughs> and the thing, the, the bad part is I was out there driving to Classic because I always drive to Classic right. conservatively and just 
pacing myself, knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yep. But I figured, okay, this is great. He just passed me. That means I'm going to be in the lead. <laughs> nope. I had a bunch of lap cars or, or not. You know. I had other cars that were. Yeah. They put me behind. So now I had to go back through the field. Right. Jim Rogers has seen me a few times at the track. He says, man, I wish I'd, you know, we had stayed together longer. I said, well, it's your choice, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, so, you know, schematic. I yep. got and drove, I got a doctor to drive yes. the tree when uh, Richie Evans didn't show That's up. That's right. The yep. The Troyer car. And I, I ended up with a, what, a third, I think. You were in the top five. Yeah, I knew I was in the top yeah. five with it. And there was only, what, one time out in it. Yeah. Or twice, but yeah, yeah. Goodness, I mean, and then I think who was the was it Muldoon the last one you drove for, or was there somebody after Mike? Because I remember you and Steve both driving for Mike. I think at the same time, if I'm if I if if my memory's correct, I think you and Steve Joya were both driving for Mike at the same time, and both wound up in a wreck in the first turn, and. I've heard stories sure? about that. You sure? I think so. I thought that was Dave Tritech that got into me in the first Maybe turn. it was. Maybe it wasn't Steve. Dave, but... Dave, it was Dave Tritech. It was a uh, rookie year or something. Okay. Or he was in, I was driving for Mike. It was a year that he won the track championship over the Dell. Okay. He had okay. a lot of cars. Yeah, Maybe he had three cars. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I would, whichever car Mike wanted me to get in, I'd do it. Yeah. It was neat. He had three identical cars, and all three drove differently. <laughs> that, really. No, it just sounds like an oxymoron, but I'm sure it was true. Well, Heffron had two cars identical, and he didn't like the new one. He liked the old one, though. Yeah, he always did. You're right. Yep. The 40 car was the Cadillac. Yeah. And that was the one that was closest to Champagne's car. Okay. All right. The 35 car, which is the one that Hamilton drove, Davey drove, I like that the best. Okay, yeah, that was, was the, the 50 car, yeah, okay. Huh? No, no, that was the 35. Oh, 35, oh, right, when he had the 35 number, that's right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The 50 car was Mike's car. Yep. To me, that was like driving a go, uh, go-kart. Okay. I mean, it was, it was touchier, but that was the way Mike liked. And see, in watching Mike and listening to Mike, you know, you drive the car, how the car is going to work. Right. And I remember the first race that they actually let me go race. Because a lot of them, they just wanted me to you know, take, take it easy out there. It's like, okay, well, it was a port city. And they didn't even put, you know, much fuel in. And I, I'm running tires that, you know, have been raced before. I don't have new tires on the, on the car I'm in. Right. So there was an exit, and all of a sudden, I'm in the top ten. And they go, you got to stop and get fuel. We don't have enough fuel in the car. I'm like, okay. So I stopped fuel. I said, hey, how about change some tires? No. You got what you got. Okay. <laughs> but I understood. Yeah. And see, then I, then I worked a deal with them to drive for them the following year. And uh, something came, well, that's where Tritech and I came together, because Hamilton had drove the Classic. So I was in the 35, because Tritech had bought the 40, and Mike was in his 50. Okay. 
And I remember, I almost want to think it was a heat race or something, or feature. I don't remember. I don't remember that detail. But I remember going and letting off at the start-finish line, and all of a sudden tapping a brake, and the car comes sideways. Now I catch it. Start in the back, come back up through it, and do it again. And the second time I do it, Tritech comes into me. I mean, I didn't. I didn't, I wasn't in the middle of the track. I was right. up high. Right. Because that's one thing you learn as a driver. You know, when when you get to a certain point, you know the car's spinning out. What do you do to keep driving? Do you stay locked on the brakes, or do you throttle it to go down? Right. All right. Or let it slide up. And I can't, I, I don't have anything about Mike being upset or as far as I understand. Having two wrecked cars all of a sudden didn't want it. You know, yeah. didn't like it. I said, no problem, Mike. And it worked out because I had some family things go on and I needed to focus more on my family. So that year I didn't actually race anywhere, anymore, right. I don't think. Right. I might have came back with Dave... Uh, Tritech or not Dave Tritech, excuse me. Dave Lair asked me to drive. That's right. Yeah, the Learjet. Yeah, the Learjet. I drove the the original yeah. eighty eight to start with. The red car. Yep. Then the black one. And then he uh, had a new Jeff West car built forty four for me. That's right. And that's when we put uh, Bobby Santos in the old one. I that's said, right. Said, Bob look, you got the better of the two cars. Because that car's proven. You got a chance yeah. to win the race in that 88. Yeah. Uh, Bobby. That's before he drove for Muldoon. Right. Yep. I took him out in the pace car. Look, this is where you, you know, the line. You know, they don't let me do that. That's awesome. I remember Donnie Joy coming over. Jamie, the left front tire is bouncing like a basketball. I said, Don, do me a favor. Would you go tell Dave that and Bobby Haynes? Because I know it's not right, but sometimes when you drive for somebody, they don't want you to tell them what, what to do. The car. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, when I built my new car, and I basically copied the champagne car. Sure. But I changed a few little things. Right. And actually, I came home after the first night up there. Looked up those skies. He, oh, Jimmy, thank you. I did something right. <laughs> it, it was actually faster than the champagne car right. the year before. Yeah. And, um, you know, a week, two weeks in, my wife got, came up to the track, you know, sat in the stand. She goes, Jamie, something's not right. Like when you let off the car, it's bouncing like this. It goes back to Jimmy following Stevie in the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. My wife could see what my crew couldn't. Right. When I let off the start-finish line, the car wasn't settling like it should. It goes back to shock setup. Okay. So I adjusted my, you know, changed the shock setup a little bit. All of a sudden, the car became faster. Wow. But, I mean, I got the chance to sit behind, let's see, Mantix. The, uh, well, Aleronics I was going to say, you won. That was your feature win in the Swigo. That was the first Graves car built. Yep. And they all let me. After Jerry had it, he, he let me, uh, and actually, I think Stelfer got in the car. He did. Cliff Graves. Yep. Yep. And they always building the engines for it, and 
I was maintaining the car in my first race at Oswego. I actually had the that well the only video I have of that of my racing at Oswego was that one. Oh wow! And listen to Roy Silva talk about how fast because I was turning times at they so I had the head of the game. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. It was great to see you get that win. I mean, or three, I, two or three restarts. It felt good to have the first win of the Swigo in a feature there. Absolutely. And then to follow it up uh, the, the following year with my own car. Yeah. Yep. Twice. Yep. Yep. You certainly, uh, you had quite well, a career. You know, I, couldn't afford, I couldn't afford to do it on my own. Yeah. I mean, with my family, and I knew enough to say, okay, park it. Yep. I mean, I still have my the car I built still sitting in my garage. Oh, do you really? I haven't advertised it yet. Yeah. I, well, after I got ill six years ago, Tom, Yeah. I haven't been able to deal with certain things. Okay. Drama. Right. Okay. Confrontation. Yeah. I walk away from it. I don't yeah. need it. Yeah. In my life anymore. Yeah. And so I, I know I have a car that's in my garage that's capable of winning. Now with the arrow, you got so you got to change the wing. Yeah. The champagne car sitting at the museum. I won't ever go to competition again. Sure. Because I thought of it before. I thought of having Steve Miller. You know, hey Steve, how about if we, uh, you know, like put put, put tires on it? Because Otto and John Nicoltra gave us a set of Hoosiers that I put on a set of my rims, my aluminum rims. Okay. Oh, that's another. That's a time for another episode. Getting and all that. Well, that's. I'm sitting here thinking we've been almost two hours, and and I feel like there's so much more we can talk about, which is great because it gives us a reason to say, you know what, we'd love to bring Jamie back uh, again sometime over the off season and kind of continue this conversation because what I loved about this is normally when I when I do one of these interviews, we kind of just recount the career of the driver I'm interviewing. Um, but, and then of course, you know, you get mentions of other people, but with you, we've gone all over was the I map supposed today. To do that? Well, was uh, I supposed to do that? Just talk about me. I know, talk, you know, all these other people have helped me. I mean, see, back, the, yeah, so Eddie Bellinger told me what cam to run. Yeah. When I was doing it on my own, my own 44, build my own engines. I mean, Doug Holmes, who restored the champagne sure, car. Yep. Okay. When he started building engines. I get out of work and stop at the shop and help help him because he was so busy. He used to build engines right of his own barn for, yeah. to start with. Yep. And I mean, Doug would come to me because I'd have bearings or rings and gaskets because if something happened, I'd have to do it on my own. Right, sure. I mean, Tim Salisbury, there's some staple people that have been contributed to my career. There's no maybe. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I got the opportunity to get in Randy Hedger's modified down in Shangri-La. What a blast that was. Oh, I never knew meeting, that. Me and his brother, you know, meeting Ray and getting to work with Ray. Yeah. Wow. And that's after, you know, I had driven down there with my own cars, and I, hey, Randy, where do you let off? What? I says, well, I know with a super how deep I can go in each corner, but the modified's a little different. I was doing it in preparation to run a modified Oswego. Okay. You know, so on an off night, I zipped down there and I ran a couple of weeks for him and I had fun. Interesting. You know, I qualified. But like Steve said, 
they use their bumpers and they do, you know, they run their mirrors. And oh yeah, it's a different. It was a different kind of well, even well, of course now, but even back then it was a different kind of driving style than than yeah. uh, supers. I remember watching. And, um, and so it goes back to when I get hit and get spun out, and now Randy gets into me. Okay, now you got both your cars out at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and now you got you know, a garage full of work to do for the week. Yeah, not exactly. Just, not just maintaining the cars, but now putting them back together. Right. That's what I understood. Yep. Yep. Very cool, though. Now you never knew you got to drive a modified. That's fun. I got to actually drive a dirt modified one race. I remember that. Rick took a picture of it with the right front tire off the ground yeah. in turn uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding. And actually, I, I think the guy's last name was Siddeley. Not a, I don't think any relation to Otto. Okay. A little body shop on Vidan Street here in Auburn. Interesting. I, I don't know if it was a Buick engine in it or an old. But, again. Fun stuff. I mean, what a Jack career. Johnson and Cagle, all those guys. I would have loved to have done a, a good car. Competitive, yeah. Dirt. Actually. I did get in a good car in the dirt. Who's kidding who? The Champagne 8-Ball. I drove with the fairgrounds. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was. yeah. Amazing. And I got to work at, I got to work with, on Will Cagle's dirt car while I was working on Daryl Peckham Super. Oh, wow. Yeah, when he had the shop at Cagle, Marshall Manor, right there at the corner. We're pulling the scratches up 34, 131. Wow. I worked for him for, well, quite a few months. Not a full year, but quite a few months. Because he got a new car with a live rear axle, and he didn't have any experience with it. So I had some experience with live axles. Okay. So you were able to actually give him some input. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, and learn and learn from Will. Actually, he was instrumental with me at Syracuse, because that was the year he got hurt and got tangled up in the drive shaft. And he was in the infield with his wife, Barb, in a van. Right. And I had, I hadn't been on the track yet with a champagne car. Red got set me up with the modified tires. Okay. You know that I needed to put on. I knew the gear. And I knew enough about disconnecting the right front brake. Little things. Well, how do I go fast here? I said I know where you let off in the back grades, back straightaway. The modifieds let off uh, like two car lengths before the bridge. And the sprint cars can actually go a couple car lengths past the bridge. Right. So if I figure if I let off somewhere at the bridge, I should be fine. You know, the bridge or the tunnel. Right. He said, I said, but number one, he said, well, you let it off to the lights. I said, lights? And he points. You're talking about the lights under? I said, well, how heaven crazy do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> okay? Because, you know, it's like one of those, yeah, right. And yet, the first time I let off early, and I didn't believe I was back on the throttle, still getting into the corner. Wow. Not all the way in the one yet. I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> I mean, I think we time trialed 20th or somewhere out of the, I can't tell you how many cars are there, Tom. But that was both the supers and the yeah. sprints. But it was wild because the sprint cars down the straightaway, they jump a full car width side to side. So you learn where you want to be by them is only in the corner. 
I remember the first lap through time trial, going into the third turn, because Will had told me, don't get out of the black. Stay in the black. You get up out of the black, it's not good. No. So you go, I go into the third turn, and I hit the hole that's in the third turn. The car gets all upset, and, and I come out of two, down the front straightaway, says, you know, next, next lap, I'm going to straddle that hole. I know I can go faster if I straddle that hole. Well, I straddle the hole, and all of a sudden the car starts sliding. You know, it's called pucker power. Yeah. Where you're... <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way where of putting anus, it. Where your anus muscle kind of tightens right up, but you learn, you know, quick stab of the brakes and right foot throttle. Yeah. Which makes the back end of the car point to the outside wall. Right. The inside point to the front, and that's how you really learn a dirt track. It's like, holy cow. So you come off of four. It's like, yes, baby. yeah those were wild shows it was fun to watch the supers on the dirt uh you know i i i i remember the first time i went um you know just just seeing that sight was amazing and and you know you could tell the ones who had either experience or as you said pucker power um because those are the ones in the front (laughs) you know Yes, and yeah. I understand that more now. Yeah, but after after doing that, and realizing, okay, and and, and Frankie Dole gave me the opportunity to drive a dwarf car in Brewerton, and that was fun against the cushion because Frank's a big guy, so I was able to fit in his yes. car. Yes, yep. That was what Greg Furlong was driving. Some had some dwarf cars, and Frankie was, was Frankie's a one. great guy. I love Frankie Dole. He's a great yeah. guy. Well, I like I like also. Greg Furlong. Oh yeah, of course. Next, yeah. When I was with Larry, we used to pit next to each other all the time. Yeah, we had Greg on uh, on a show a while back. So if you know, if you get a chance, uh, check that one out because uh, Greg, Greg did a great interview. It was very, it was very, very. I look forward to that because yeah. I've remained friends with Greg. Very entertaining. How you not remain friends with Greg? Yeah, he used to he used to get the car like he'd come in after a warm up or just and I just go, go jump up and down on the back bumper. We just to bust on him. That's funny. You don't, you don't tap anybody on the helmet. That, that's right. one of those things you like to do. Yeah. Because it gets loud quick. Yes. Well, we used to sit in recliners next to each other in the pits. That's, Joke with each other. That's funny. Because Dave Laird was a nice guy to drive for. Oh, Dave's a, Dave, Dave was a great Dave guy. Dave would give you the shirt off his back. Yeah. Yeah. He was a great yeah. guy. Very, very yeah. good guy. But uh, Very great guy. Well, from what I understand, what Rick tells you about and phenomenal hockey player. Oh, he was. So, I remember watching records. him. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oswego State, great. You betcha. The, yep. You betcha. And actually, listen to Rick, and uh, it might have been somebody else besides Rick. It might have even been uh, Bill. Uh, Bill Foley was the Bill one. Green. Bill Green. Okay. Yeah, I know Bill's son's running now, but because Bill is a hockey fan. Actually, Dave took me to watch the Buffalo, Buffalo Sabre, Sabres play. Oh, cool. Me and Bobby Bobby Haynes. It's the only professional uh, hockey game I've ever been to. It was awesome. But they told me that Dave was as almost as good as Bobby Orr on the ice. Yeah. He was a natural. Yeah, he was fun to watch. And back in those days, Bill Foley was the one calling the games on the radio. And, really? Yes, I didn't know that. and I've always told Bill... 
And 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 I look, Danny Kapazinski is a great friend of mine. I love Danny K. Um, and and you know he does a really good job calling the Laker games. But there's never been anybody that's called a game on the radio the way Bill Foley used to. When he would, he would, he had a way of saying he shoots, he scores, and it just was like you get goose pimples, you know. Oh, um, like listen to Jack Burgess. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of that. Well, Jack had his own unique voice too, but Bill that's was right. so exciting to to listen to on the radio. The the beauty of radio, and this is what I've always. You know, I don't mind doing TV. I don't mind the camera looking at me. It's But for me, I'm a radio guy. And the reason I've always loved radio, radio is a theater of the mind. You have yeah. to imagine what what the person's. So the so if you're if I'm calling a race on the radio, I have to be able to describe it well enough so somebody can see it. And Bill Foley used to do that with the hockey games. You could actually picture what Bill was saying, you know, as if you were looking at it in, in inside the arena. And um you know, he just had an energy, but oh yeah, Jack Burgess was. Um, look, I grew the up with voice. yes, I grew up the with Jack and Roy, voice. and yeah, and right. you know, Jack was uh, with the the I re, I can remember, and I I never understood. The, there was a point where they flip flopped the two anthems when I was when I was first started going. They used to do the American first and the Canadian, and yes. after the Canadian anthem, I I remember every Jack Burgess would say. And now let's go racing with the first qualifying heat of the night. And and again, goose pimples. You know, you. But Jack had the calmness about him. He did. His voice. Yeah. And, and uh, but a, not a calmness to put you to sleep. A calmness to keep you interested. Yeah. Where Roy had the Roy has the excitement. In yeah. Voice. Well, that's see when I when I started announcing, I was I was I tried to be a combination of the two. Jack had a like a rhythm. To his, yes. you know, he had a pace, but Roy had the passion. Roy would go; his voice goes up as the excitement goes up, and you know, I tried to to sort of find those two, and um, still to this day, uh, you know, I try to do that when in my announcing when I when I do it because those two just and they were great together. I, I just thought. They were a great yes. uh, combination. Um, and Every j- once in a while, I'll, kept, I'll catch one of uh, Don Bartlett's videos, and you'd hear that, yeah. The- uh-huh. And I hear I hear the voices and it like just puts me back in that moment. Oh. And, yeah. being, and see I I'm fortunate. I saw Don just uh Wednesday. He okay. and Mike Sussler came to the museum and I had stopped in to see Tom Schmay. And I get when I go there, I get to see the picture of Jack, Roy, and Mario Andretti. Okay. In the Burgess room, in our media room. Okay. It's on the wall and it's like so cool because it brings back the moments. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Been, again, I've been fortunate. You know, Norm Macris and being yeah. close to Norm Bless him. and Marg and the kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's fantastic. You know, and we've been closer, gotten closer from the reunions, sure. the Alzheimer's reunion. Yep. Yep. So good to... Like, you're talking about Mark Letcher. <laughs> Here's a true story. Darrell was racing. And Mark was in the 29, Dick Rainer car. And Darrell goes to Mark, Mark, how do you do that, that 360 deal? That's <laughs> uh, easy. He goes, it's easy. He says, you just step on the gas and spin a car around. Darrell goes, well, when do you know let off? Oh, you'll know when to let off. <laughs> he said, well, what? He says, well, when you let off, if you're not pointing at any walls, then you get on the gas again. <laughs> <laughs> Darrell just shakes his head. And I've told Darrell since, 
And actually, I told Mark the last time I saw him this past year. I said, you know, Mark, you're absolutely right about that 360 deal. You, you were spot on. <laughs> when Congress sideways, you, you know, it's, it's beyond your saving. You go all the way to the floor with it, and, and that's, but you get to keep things spinning right around, and then you run off and get going again. That's funny. And I remember when I drove for Bruce Budnick the first time in the Swigo in the Clyde Booth car. We, I come off the fourth turn. Bruce is on the infield by the fire truck, and all of a sudden, the car is snapped, and I'm pointing at the inside wall, and I come in the pits, and Bruce goes, how did you do that? Do what? He said, Jamie, I've never seen a car that sideways in a track not being against the wall. I said, I got lucky. <laughs> I, said, no. I said, Bruce, it's all about feel. I said, when a car goes sideways, you, you know, you have ch- you choices. Lock it up, get in it, and when you learn to drive, you just continue to drive. And the only way you drive, you use the brake, slow you down, might get you out of trouble, but the right foot is what you're driving with. Okay. Because the right foot's your power. It powers you through things. I've actually spun at Star Speedway. Going into the first turn, you know, how much, so many chops or whatever. Anyway, and I end up spinning. You get on the throttle, you keep it going, you drive through the infield, and keep the thing going. Because if you stop, you go down laps. Right. But you keep the thing going, spinning around, and make it back to the track and get on going. You only start it back. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. That's but when funny. you learn to do that, and you, and you do it on the asphalt, people say, you can't go, you can't dirt track on asphalt. Chuck Sippridge and Bobby Stoner. Yeah, I was going to say. Don't tell me you can't dirt track on asphalt. Yeah. These guys were professional. Yes. Yeah, and when you spend enough time in the pits, what, what I did with Daryl, watching competition out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'd watch Daryl, but you'd watch these guys up near the floor sure. in the middle of the pack and how they're racing. And then I had the opportunity to mimic that and actually not just mimic it, but do it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was awesome. Well, my worst—I I, yeah, I can't say my worst feelings. There's a lot of bad feelings I have from different events that went on. Yeah, bad and good at the same time as seeing Daryl qualify, almost qualify for a classic, and accidentally hitting Roger Bible going into. Oh, I remember three. that crash. Yes, yes. Yeah, and they black flagged him, and. That was wrong. I mean, Donnie Joy and every, the whole Joy family was upset with the tower. And I was not uh, a good character when I saluted the tower that day. <laughs> Told because them they were number Darryl one. Darrell was not you? an aggressive driver at all. No. Everybody knew that. Yeah. You know, it's like what I said about you know, when I hit Eddie going into one, how yeah. bad I felt. Yeah. I felt that bad for Darrell. Sure. That day. Yeah, it's like I remember that crash, and the, and the and I think what makes it what the reason that I've always remembered it is because it was it, Roger Bible was a strange name if you were a kid, right? That was Texas, one of those, uh, yeah, or, or, but somewhere out west, I, I'm not sure, but he he okay. he because I remember seeing him later at um at a uh, little 500, so he might have been Midwest, but anyways, he. I just remember the name, and so I kind of watched him, and I and I always used to like Daryl too because there were certain drivers when you go and get their autograph, they would just kind of talk to you more. Jimmy was the one, and Warren Conium for me, and then you know Daryl was another one that I always used to, 
you know, engaging conversation. It wasn't just, you know, take the book, sign it. Here you go, kid. Um, and so I, but I remember that crash and, and I, I remember thinking, you know, why did they, of course, you know, again, I'm a kid, I don't know, but it's like, why did they do that? That, that didn't, you know, that didn't seem right. Um, I mean, just cause you hit a car, you see cars hit cars all the time and it, you know, how do you, <laughs> of course, being older now, you Roger can, came from so far away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a, you know, it was a bad deal. But it was sad. Yeah, it was. It, it was. Sad, sad, yeah. sad point. You know, and I mentioned Gary Winter's accident. Yeah. To this Ooh. day, I have never heard a big black Chevy scream like that did. Yeah, my father come, was at that going race. going down the front straight away. Yeah, he, he told me, my dad told me the story of, about being at that race. And there, yeah. it isn't often. I was, at, I was up there actually in the infield between three and four. Saw it. Saw him bang the outside Ugh. wall. And then all I remember seeing is a the rocket going out, you know, sparks flying because right rear tires flat yeah. down the front straightaway. And just listening to that engine scream. And I didn't see the end result, thankfully. Well, that he hit the rear of the uh, Hit the rear the car of that was sitting in Marvin Carmen's car. car. Yeah. Off. yeah. Whose car? Marvin Carmen. Marvin Carmen. Yep. Hit the rear of Marvin Carmen's car. Yep. And went, went the the hat, but he went, poked through the hole, and then you see the thing erupt in flame. Just like holy shit! Yeah, again. I mean, I mean, it was just. It's you know, um, you know, you knew, it, you knew that was bad. Period. Yeah, and then to see Dominic Mucho and uh, yes. AJ. Dominic was right in front of me in the stands. Yeah, yeah, and then AJ. AJ. Yep, yep. Yeah, there were so many. And then, well, and then how fortunate Don Meeks was. His oh. case got tore off, and he was fine. Oh. Well, and then Scotty Landers years later had the cage come off. Same thing. Um, I didn't see that one. Yeah. Yep. Scotty. It, yeah. And I remember it, he he kind of woke up, looked around and was like, how bad's my car? And and I think it was Rusty Natoli that was, he was on the safety car. I think Rusty was the one who was, and he's, he's kind of like, uh, well, uh, look at your cage. And th- there was no cage. And Scott, I think Scotty like turned like white it was just like you know you have that moment when you realize that you just survived you know yeah um yeah and see seeing that and, and bringing those two incidences up yeah and prior to that being in, with tobin up to canada and jimmy wicks was in Dun- duncan's car 1980 hit the wall yep and i didn't believe how components they were tearing off um bounce or 81 I guess but, you know the I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. And I learned, and after the roll cages, I learned about hydrogen embrittlement. It's a welding practice with chromoly. Okay. And there's a technique to do it. And then remember Brian Herb, that beautiful purple and white car? Oh, I was in the pit. That was the first year, one of the first years I was allowed to be old enough to be in the pits, and I was standing right there when he, when that happened. Between three and, and four. Just, I wanted to cry. That car was so beautiful. Oh. Yes. Yes, it was gorgeous. Oh. Brian later, later told me, because I, I questioned, you know, these are the things about being, my makeup, what makes it tick? What yeah. makes it go faster? Yeah. What makes it good? And I asked a Brian, you build meticulous cars, what happened? They shouldn't have come apart like that. Well, I used stainless steel rod. I thought I was doing better. I, I, so I started asking different people. And you don't use chromoly rod either. You use mild steel rod. Okay. Just mild steel flexes. But there's also a 
a key thing to welding chrome alloy. It's called preheat and postheat. Okay. Yeah, and these are the things that I know Joe Hawksby and uh, Paul. Coloca, uh, yep, Paulie, yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, wow. Most of, most of these people know about now because when you preheat it, you actually see the moisture leave the tubing. Okay. You get a torch, you preheat a little bit, you'll see the moisture, and so you just tack it together. Interesting. So you take your whole, you know, I, I know with the car I built, how I did it. Right. Wow. And I actually did a test ahead of time, welding some components together and take it to work where we had a 500-ton press. Okay. And a 1,000-ton press. I'd weld a couple, do a couple welds differently and put it underneath the joint. Just to see. And squeeze it. Yeah. Crash it. On a, you know, controlled crash. Right. <laughs> Just to see what happened. And you see, the not the material breaking, not, not, you know, it's just folding up. It's not breaking apart. It's like, okay, Jamie, you're doing it right. It's all with temp sticks. So you weld the car all up. Now you go back and you stress relieve all the uh, weld joints. Okay. Six, you know, where you weld plus like six inches or four inches either side of the weld. It neutralizes the material. And I've learned a lot since I worked at Hammond Irving with steel with heat treat processes. It gets the molecules of the steel moving. But that's another... But these are things you learn. Yeah, yeah. By looking at cars and saying, okay, you know, I want to build a torsion arm's different. You know, Champagne's car, the the stops were actually welded in the torsion tube. You didn't have the clamp-on stops. Oh, okay. Clamp-on arm on the rear. But the stop itself was inside the torsion tube for lightness. He built the car to go fast. Right. There was no maybe. Yep. I remember the first time I followed the car, and I saw the things flexing up and down. And he he went back to the garage and came back, and he had braces on it and stuff. Interesting. I remember seeing these things and then seeing some of the changes. Well, okay. The little See how many things. times we get sidetracked, Tom, when we talk about the rear engine car. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing Warren in a car. Yeah. But when Jimmy was out there, and, I, and again, I, I understand why they did it, but back then, there weren't a lot of car builders. Yeah. People would do it at the garage. So how many people would build a car and not be as safe? Look at what Kempton tried to copy Jimmy's car. We built a lot of cars. He built one out of super light material and folded right up. Yeah. Yep. And that's what happens. People want to go faster, so they cut corners. And that's why I was thinking about how many people building a car. And all of a sudden, you hit the wall with a swiggle, let it be the outside, well, inside, and all of a sudden, you short it up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, so, I, so I understand that aspect and not allowing four wheel drive cars. <clears throat> Excuse me. The four wheel drive yeah, car. What, I Bill Hyde, what, Freddie, what Freddie did with Bill Hyde's car, if that car didn't break, it'll always win. Well, and see, I, uh, you know, again, again, talking to Freddie years later and, and Freddie explaining to me that everybody thought, you know, that it would be so much more expensive, but in reality, it wasn't. It was really just a matter of understanding the. The technology, but I think the thing with the four-wheel drive that everybody saw was how flimsy it was. You know, it was very temperamental. You know, you yeah. you and so because it had a lot of moving parts, so you, you 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 know it was subject to breakdowns. But I didn't think. You know, my deal with the safety part is is I saw a lot of cars crash. I've seen a lot of rear engine cars crash. You see Formula One cars, Indy cars crash now. And again, I think 
you know, maybe back then there was something because we didn't have all the safety knowledge that we have now. But nonetheless, you know, I just didn't feel like it was and I still don't. I honestly feel like that car was banned more out of fear than out of anything else. It was almost like, my gosh, Jimmy's built something and everybody's going to have to build one of those to keep up. And it's like, no, it's not. I mean, it wasn't that much faster, you know, if anything. I mean, it was 100 laps in a classic. And Conium won the first one to unlap himself. Swift did it twice, according to track scoring. So, I mean, you know, I just didn't see anything. I feel like it was kind of a a rash move. I feel like it was a rash decision, and it wasn't well thought out. And here's, you know, it's like then you sort of narrowed down what a super modified could be. And, and yes, you know, so, and again, I'm not trying to, not trying to be a know-it-all. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not vilifying anybody who made the decision. I'm just saying that, that when I look at this, this is, you know, my two cents on it. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's it, but again, all part of the history of Supermodifieds, you know. Um, it goes back, time. it goes back to it is what it is. Yes. Yep. I mean, you hate to say it that way, you know, because it was nice to see innovation. Yeah. But then Kenny Reese, that, but then Kenny Reese builds a car. Oh, three wheels on the right side and one on the left. And... Nope, you're not going to run that here. Couldn't even they they banned it before it even showed up. I, I yep, mean, at so, least it's like guys, you got to think about promotion here. Think what you could have gotten out of out of out of Kenny bringing this car up and putting Tim Richmond in it for a test session. Think of the stories in in you know magazines that could have come out of this. You know that you could have gotten especially, that, especially you know, that because the car was already built. Yes. It's like let him come up, let him test it, get some data, look at it, and then make a decision. It was like they, it was almost like here again they banned it on hearsay. You know, <laughs> it's like we can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you know, I, and I I think probably in the end it should have you know not because there's there's sort of there's innovation and then there's holy crap this isn't even you know like there's a whole different thing over here but. But it be well, smart you, enough to get you, the PR out of it first, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, when when we, you know Jimmy Sham Champagne's car, right, and then the rear engine car. Well, Gene Lee Gibson was building another car himself. Gene was a pretty good fab, was another yeah. good fabricator. Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. And he was building a car with an independent rear end, not a solid axle. Oh wow! Okay, but half shafts, and they disallowed that. Yeah, see, I of mean, of course, that was also a time where they, you know, they went to super lightweight. We were having steel axles breaking, yeah, snapping. yeah, yep. And uh, it, it was like I said again. It's just all, and it's just it's great fodder for discussion. Period. And it's all, yeah, it's all part of the history, and and that's what makes it so much fun. We've just killed almost two and a half hours talking about the history of super modified racing, and 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 the thing that I love about the way that you did it is we talked about the history of super modified through Jamie Moore's eyes, and I absolutely loved it. This was great. This was a great uh, time. Thanks, great time, and uh, I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time and, and, and talking with us for so long here. And, uh, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to do this again when we can, can kind of talk some more and, um, you know, maybe some more about uh, your history and, and just, you know, just talk racing. That's what this show is about. It's about talking super modified racing. And you've, you now own the record for the longest show, uh, longest interview in history. So (laughs) it's a nice nice record to be part of. I think it's it's, it's like being, you know, 
being where I am in the swing of points. You yeah. Know, top, yeah. Whatever. You know, I yep. don't win the motion. It's like there's always somebody better than me doing things. Right. It's not a problem. I accept those things. Absolutely. But I've been fortunate because when I race it with my crew, my friends. Yep. Yeah. You know, most of the time it was my family. Yep. The year I actually was leading the points before they had the the, the wing invitational for the top five cars. Yeah. Uh-huh. Before car, right? <clears throat> I was uh, leading the points. My brother Michael came home from California, injected some new energy into the team. That's awesome. I didn't get to run that race because I had a an engine. Uh, we put a fresh engine in, a fresh in one of them, and I couldn't race that night because I, I saw bearing material in my oil. Oh, part of that pre pre race checks you do after you build something new. Yeah, yeah. Pull the oil filter. I have an old board oil filter with just basically a screen. Okay. So you can look at it real quick. And so I used to get in the habit of okay, this is what we're doing. After the warm-ups, and then after the heat race, because if you catch something ahead of time, it doesn't cost you as much. Yeah, you know, it goes back to what Steve said about cost. Right. You know, I built well, my own engines. I did you? Know, it was a big. It still is a big expense. Oh yeah, for and sure. The more I think about it, you know, I think about the track and resurfacing. Well, you know, if they stop with it, puts plastic in the tires and actually yeah. put more rubber. Yeah, because back when Tom Bowley and Bentley and we were racing, which and Goodyear was in it, Goodyear had an M twenty three compound that a week old tire after ten laps or fifteen laps was as fast as a brand new tire. Okay. After reheated. Okay. We go out in time trial. No, it wasn't as fast. Right. But they had they made tires to repeat it. Now tires heat cycle. And it's it's sad, but it is what it is. Yeah, yep. You know, they For sure. sell more tires. Well, the thing is, if they put the the prop chemicals together, rubber together, to make a longevity. I mean, we used to run tires, and I don't know if you remember that, but we have cords showing because you'd actually wear them right out. Are they safe that way? Well, no, but hey, you can measure how much tire you have left. Exactly. So you do want to change it. Well, so there's you know, there's things that can still be done to help the sport. Oh yeah, for sure. And part of me yeah. thought that if they, you know, they they did a great job with what the steps they've taken right now. Well, you know what? What if they got rid of that 18 inch right rear tire and put a 15 inch on the right rear? So now they got 15 inches on both rears. That would limit the engine. Well, that's and, an and interesting thing because you're not going to be yeah, able to look it up. That's right. Because with these with these cars. Okay, you were off the throttle and you hit it hard, you're sideways. At any time, you can put the car sideways in the track just by throttling it, no brakes. They have that much horsepower. So take away a little bit of rubber? Wow. Well, that's uh, that would be an interesting, I would wonder what kind of feedback you get for that. Well, the thing, the, the, truthfully, if I was to say it to the track or to anybody else, I says. Take a few of the top guys, all right? Otto would be one of them, or sure. Gruel, or yeah. Abel, Gosick. I mean, Joe's played with enough different tires over the years like I have. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, well, the first race I won up there, I had a Hoosier on the right front. It was left, it was, uh, believe it or not, I picked it up. That's and amazing. I ran M&H tires. Marvin. 
Marvin Rifkin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Haven't thought about him in forever. Yeah. And by putting an M&H on the right front and saving on the left rear, the car wouldn't push, and it wouldn't be as loose. I run combination of tires. It, 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 you learn. Actually, some of the early pictures of my first year race for the 44, you'll see a, a dirt tire on the left front. Because back then, without tire rules, a dirt tire is a little softer. You never wear the left front tire out. Right. But it's all those little things that, you know, what is best for the class. Yeah. Yeah. And the tire rule is definitely good for the class. I agree. Yep. Yep. Okay. You got That's where they sure. got to cut expenses. The biggest expense. That tires and then you got what engine next. Yeah. Yep. So Tire. if you reduce some of the rubber, and now you don't have the cost of right rear tire and a big wide rear rim. Right rear rim, left rear rim are the same. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's an and interesting. Then you limit the engines. I yeah, drivers have to drive different. Well, that's the thing, and that's what I've always thought, is you've got to, you know, everybody, boy, it's hard sometimes to talk people off the ledge, especially racers. Racers just get set in their ways, and they just don't want to hear it. But I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's, you know, you've got to eventually do something to be able to cut costs to open it back up again so more people can play, you know. And that's what I'm saying. You get a couple of the top guys to get out there. Yeah. Because they have the electronic stopwatches and all that stuff, so they can time people. But and they have the video; they have everything to record. And actually, if they get a hold of Matzik, and Clyde's probably got it, the G-force thing that they had the car to measure all that data. Yeah, you know, between Clyde and uh, Skip, they had that information available, so they could, you could actually know what the change in the one tire does to the G-forces and how the car slides different. But yeah. it, it would really be interesting. And that would be honest feedback from some of the top guys. And yeah, you get, they get ahead of the game, but okay, no, we're going to open it up to everybody to practice right. with it. Yep. And that would be fair. Let everybody practice with it. But before you have everybody practice with it, look, we need a handful of guys. Right. We need guys with experience, <laughs> excuse me, to be able to learn the ins and outs so we can teach you guys so that you know how to start with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, the, 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 the few we pick, these are guys that can run anywhere in the track. Most of you only run the groove. Yep. And that's why, why I mentioned certain guys I did. Yep. You know, they're the, the ones with skills. I think Gosick's going for Bentley's uh, title. <laughs> long, long, longevity behind the wheel of a super. Gosick is, Joe is so is so cool. I, I just, I can't, you know what? It you know, and kudos to Banks. Well, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, he just, uh, you know, he's in better shape than most 40-year-olds. And, you know, he... He's got a great family. He does, yeah. You know, Vicky's a sweetheart. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, to, to listen to both of them, you know. Yep. I married my best friend. Yep. It's it's so cool to hear. Yes. Yep, absolutely. And he's got the girls now. And, uh, you know, he just seems at, at, at peace with his life, and he's having a good time with the racing still. He loves driving the dirt car. Um, you know, and, and God bless him. I mean, gosh, it's 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 amazing well, to think, see somebody like that, you know. But, think, but here you go. Think of Joe. His family's with him. Eddie still in his pits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Eddie Thompson used to be in his pits. Yeah. And yep. uh, Bobby there's Smith. a Tommy that's with him. Yeah. Uh, 
Burke's, Burke's home center, Tom. So, well, Tom Hanley. And, yep. Tom yep. Hanley, yeah. Sure. Was, well, Tom is in the pits. Chuck's yeah. around. Yeah. I don't think well, Chuck's in the pits. Chuck's, no, Chuck's, Chuck's uh, race directing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Chuck's the boss. That's well, so yeah, yeah. I, knew, I knew which one I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So Okay, so he has the same yeah. fan, you know, crew that he's yeah. had. Yep, Jerry Kurtzman. You know, stability. It's like Otto's comment and John the Culture about the team. It's a team yeah. aspect. And the people that, that have been working on all those cars to maintain them and have competitive cars. Yep. You know, it's like Mike Baldoon, and the, the crew that he had put in, his, you know, in the shop and at the track. Oh, yeah. Yep. They were all good. They worked together. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Fun times. Well, Jamie, this has been a blast. We need to uh, get to camp right, and talk about some banquet and some Hall of Fame stuff. But uh, then I'll let you go. And you, uh, you have been so much fun, brother. And I just really have enjoyed this. And I know our our audience uh, will have enjoyed it as well. And uh, well, I hope so. Appreciate uh, you taking a, a morning and part of your afternoon with us here. I look forward to seeing him in 2020. Sounds Maybe a few good. Of them in 2019, still. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I'm at the I go to I go to the museum. I try to go to the museum on a Thursday. Yep. Yep. Well, that's good to know. So if uh, for those of you listening to this show, if you want to see Jamie uh, and see a really cool museum full of race cars, go to the Dirt Museum in Weedsport on a Thursday, and uh, and and you'll get to do all of that. So uh, it's it, it, you see it Thursday and Mon- Mondays or not Mondays Sundays. Harry Elkham is there on Sunday. Okay, and once in a while on Sunday I stop in. Uh, there you go. Yeah, you know, with Harry. Good stuff. Well, thanks, Jamie. We appreciated that. Uh, that is Jamie Let me Moore. Know when you want to do it again, Tom, we definitely and then will we can talk about whatever. We definitely will. We'll do it again before the winner's out. Uh, and uh, that's Jamie Moore. And we're going to be back with Camden Proud right after this. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider motorcycle air suspension at strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove. Oh, my goodness. We have a new track record established of two and a half hours for an interview for Jamie Moore. And that was absolute gold. I can't thank Jamie enough for for spending that time and taking us down that path, all of the paths that we went. We went down there in the in, you know, just uh through his his eyes, uh, you know, growing up and, and around Oswego and all of that. It was great. So we've got uh, our young whippersnapper now with us, uh, Camden Proud, who is uh, kind of living history in the moment, so to speak. And <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, um, Cam basically has a, a track record as well, because I think uh, he's the first uh, combination PR director, full-time super modified racer. So, um, so with that being said, and he's not even like 24 yet, this is ridiculous. Uh, Camden, welcome, <laughs> back. <laughs> welcome back to the show. And uh, I know you've, uh, you've been busy the last uh, few days putting together all of the hall of fame stuff and the banquet stuff. How is all that coming for this weekend? Cause I know this is a big weekend for a lot of people. It's a big weekend coming up, and I've really enjoyed piecing this stuff together. I 
I kind of feel like it's almost last minute. I've been helping with all kinds of different stuff here and there for the banquet, and geez, the Star Classic goes by, and then Indy, and then all the dirt racing kicks up at Super Dirt Week, and now all of a sudden here we are. I'm finishing the last few stories and looking forward to a fun night tomorrow. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, For those listening who may be debating coming, um, can you talk a little bit about what they can expect and where it is and all that good stuff before we get into the nuts and bolts of it? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're lucky to have Alex's on the water and the Lake Ontario Event and Conference Center host our banquet again this year, thanks to the Broadwell family. Um, like I said on the show last week, it's one of the only true racing banquets left in central New York. So we're we're just about sold out on, on tickets, which is wow. which is really good. I'm, That's I'm glad great. that we're getting support. Yeah, yeah. So um I don't even know if we're accepting any last second ticket orders, maybe. But um it's it's going to be a pretty full room. We're, we're excited about that. That's great. I love hearing that. Okay. Um, so, obviously, all the typical banquety things are going to be going on. Uh, I, want right. to, I want to get to the good stuff because uh, the Hall of Fame is a big deal. And it's – it's. Uh, I love this year's class. Uh, and I love that I can start with um, Bobby Stelter because – Jamie, it's funny because Jamie brought his name up in the interview, you know, and and to hear Jamie talk about him and we talked about how he used to spin the tires all the time and he would dirt track the thing and, you know, just how cool he was um, as as a guy, let alone as a racer, Um, you know, and and to, to have him going into the Hall of Fame this year. My only response to that is it's about doggone time because I really think Bobby's probably one of the most underappreciated uh, drivers of what I would call my era, the 70s, because he just he never quite, you know, he didn't win a track championship. He won, you know, races, but he never he just never quite got to that elite level in the stats. But boy, you knew he was there. He was good on dirt. He was good on asphalt. He was just a good race car driver. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's about time as well. There's there's a lot of history involved, a lot of racing history, not just at Oswego Speedway, but around here when yeah. it comes to the Stelter family. Mike Stelter is nephew. I've gotten to of watch course. him race. Yep. He still races yep. with, with the SS. So um, I really enjoyed kind of going back in time and, and digging up some photos and some history and, and some stats about the entire family dating all the way back to 1966, right after the 1966 Classic, when he bought his first car from from Bob Dorsey and Ohio Roadster, and and uh, from there he he really <laughs> it was like musical car owners. I, I think he had about as many car owners as anybody, and had at least moderate success with with every one of them. So it's it's a very storied career. Well, it really is, and and storied is a great word because there are a lot of Bobby stories, and I remember hearing John Pallotta who was one of the, I think it was Pilata, it might have been Jim DeLucia, one of the two owners of the 04, telling this <laughs> telling this story at one time about Bobby that, um, you know, Bobby, they said, well, you know, Bobby was going to Indianapolis, and then he stopped at a bar along the way, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's like the story trails off there. You know, um, Bobby loved the party and he, lo- he 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 really had a good time. And, you know, he he was a driver who really, I thought, had the talent to go farther and just never did. 
And not to say that the alcohol is what stopped it, just it was a funny story, and it was kind of, it was a great, you know, stelter story. Um, you know, Bobby, Bobby was, you're right, he, he drove for a lot of different people. I think he's probably best known for his time with Ron Buckner in the 36, but, you know, he had he had a lot of different car owners. Um, you know, he drove the 04 numerous times. I mean, he had a stint in it uh, in the woodshed car way back in the old days. And then, you know, he filled in, I think, for Jim Cheney once. And he, you know, he kind of, he was in and out of it a little bit. Then they they built the offset car that I think was supposed to be for Jim Cheney. And actually, now that I think about it, this intersects directly with Jamie Moore because the way I think it went was there was the new car being built by Tobin that was a show car for Bobby because Bobby was in the, the older 21 at the time, the old Indy car. And he... Um, and then Jim Cheney was driving the 04 in 79. And then somewhere along the way, somehow, Stelter and Tobin split up and Bobby went to the 04 and ended up getting the car that was meant to be for Cheney. And Jamie was the beneficiary of that because he got the car in 1980 that was supposed to be for Bobby. Um, and so, you know, again, um, it's an illustration of how small the 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 world or the family was at Oswego, and you get that little round robin effect that okay, well you're going over there now, we'll bring him over here, and that that happened a few times with with Bobby, but he he was a really really good race car driver, always got the most out of a car, and he was a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, go figure, right? A, another example of kind of musical cars, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think. I think he is a very underrated driver. Yeah. You, you go back yeah, and, I agree. and you hear the name, you, you think of the, the woodshed car, the, the 04 that, that he helped to make famous. Then 11 years later, he returns to the team and wins again, which yeah. was certainly very fitting. But in between, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, he, he nearly won the 74 classic. He did oh, win the, I was the 74 there. high miler. Yeah. So he's, he's had some, some big ones, a lot of success in yeah. his career. And, and pretty much everywhere he went, he ran well. He had some good runs at Syracuse, made headlines at Syracuse for such fast time at the yep. Super Dirt Week. So he's he's done a lot. Yep, sure has. Yeah, he was uh, he was actually one of the um, instrumental people in getting Mike Rizzo to us. We go. Mike was running Brewerton on the dirt, and Bobby Bobby talked him into buying a car, which I guess he ended up buying uh, the car that Bobby had driven. Um, and the old 85 car. And then um, I think it was the 85 when Bobby had it. And that was Rizzo's first car at Oswego that uh, that he drove for a couple of years before he bought the old Solvay car 04. Um, and so, again, a lot of connections there and just uh, just a great guy. Glad to see him in. Who else? Uh, who else have we got that's going into the Hall of Fame? Who's the next name on the list? Well, we have. Clyde Booth, which he obviously needs no oh, introduction, and, and that's another one that I think you'll agree with me. It's it's about time. Yes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Clyde. Uh, I mean, again, I can remember all the way back to going to Fulton and seeing the the car um, that uh, well it was Booth Miller. Phil Miller was with him back then, and uh, they were they came down from New England and and ran with the wing, and and uh, I think it was Jeff Stevens that was in the car. That night, if I remember correctly, I can't. I'm trying to think, but um, you know, then the the first time they they you know they came to a swig. I think Dave Thomas 
was in the car. Uh, Jeb Bodine actually tried, or did, he did qualify it for for a classic. Uh, what year? Seventy nine, maybe. I don't know. I've lost. Yeah, I think it was seventy nine. Um, and then the classic got rained out, and Jeff had a big modified race on Monday, so Dave Thomas got in the car for the race and ended up uh, destroying it. Um, the brakes went or something, and um, that car became kind of the, the, the basis for the car that Conium teamed with Clyde for in 1980 and won the track championship, and that's what really started uh, Clyde at Oswego. And then, of course, they ran again in 81 with Warren and um, then got together with Jimmy in 82 and um, and built the uh, the 89 car. And, you know, yeah, Clyde has just been... I mean, the the impact he's had on supermodified racing over the years right up to now is just uh, amazing. And so many different drivers have have raced for him and some of the best ever in the sport, not just supers, but in the sport, you know, have sat in his car, uh, you know, one or more races. So, um, you know, just a, a great guy and a real innovator, just a, a, a super. I, I hope someday we can get him on the show. I think it would be a lot of fun to have Clyde on. Yeah, I hope so, too. That would, that would be great. I think we and a lot of other people could learn a lot from, from Absolutely. having Clyde on the show. But, yep. yeah, I mean, you mentioned just the, the slew of drivers. There's well over a dozen of them. Teddy Christopher, I mean, so many that oh, he yeah. gave an opportunity to. And, you know, I think what's funny about Clyde is, is we talked again a couple shows ago about how they were so close to their first ISMA championship this year. Yeah. And he's he's just not a points guy. When when the silver bullet showed up in the early 2000s, and that's when I was growing up at the track, yeah. yep. it more often than not won. And they finally got their classic win in 03, and, yeah. and that combination with Mike Ordway will, will forever go down in history. Yes. one of the better combinations in super modified racing. So well well deserved and um you know i'm 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 happy for Clyde it's i know that's something that means a lot to him he was he was telling us when we were doing the banquet story that that this this honor kind of ranks up pretty high um amongst all the other things he's accomplished in his career so that's that's a neat deal for him that's awesome yeah who's next andy graves and, oh. and that's one that i'm i'm thrilled about it's it's he's gone so far in the sport and has really made us wiggle proud and another one that's well deserved he's kind of put us on the map so you know you could say yeah for those who who don't know andy's story of course uh the son of freddie graves andy grew up in mexico new york um just down the road from from the speedway uh as did uh steve miller who was on our show last week and and a number of other um oswego folks uh, mike barnes i think is from mexico originally um and you know and others but uh, andy uh yeah andy grew up around it obviously through his dad and and uh you know they uh, they built, they were one of the first um, mass car builders. I mean, you think about, you know, show car in the 70s, for example, or I guess Raleigh Limblad built a number of cars. But I think back then the difference was that not everybody had to go buy the car. You you, you could still build a car in your garage and it would go and make it go fast. So it was... Right. I don't think the impact of that, and I don't think we even noticed it as much. Like, you knew there were a lot of show cars, but you just didn't think about it very much. Well, of course, then by the time the Graves family started to mass produce these cars, um, I think they were probably the first mass production organization to 
really like take over the division. It seemed like everybody had a Graves car. Um, you know, and then of course you started getting copies of the Graves cars. Gibson built a copy, uh, a couple copies of it. it you know, but you yep. seem like everybody had Graves cars. Andy, little known, little known fact because a lot of people probably didn't even pay attention, but Andy actually got in the car. At one point, he got in the Aleronic 26, I think it was, um, at one point, took the car out in a, in a hot lap session. And, <laughs> and um, I was I happened to be in the grandstand and I remember watching it and um, I give him all the credit in the world for having, you know, enough courage to go take the car out. I think he felt after that that. um you know, somewhere along, he never drove again. Let's put it like that. So I think it was kind of one of those, you know what? This was fun, but maybe this isn't where I'm best suited. So, um, but it was cool to see him out there in that car. And he, you know, then of course he left Oswego and came here or actually went, I guess you could say he kind of went West with Jeff Gordon and, right. and you know, he built it's Jeff Gordon's car. last year. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and then, you know, got in with uh, Hendrick and made it all the way to crew chief of the uh, the five car at one point, which I think Terry Labonte was driving at the time. Goodbye. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, now he's uh, he's VP of or basically, I think, director of motorsports or whatever big. He's one of the top brass at uh, Toyota Motorsports. And, uh, you know, Andy, he still loves the Supers, still follows the class, still, of course, he came back last year when we did the retro thing, and uh, Johnny Nicotra and Otto did the uh, throwback scheme to the 39 four-wheel drive car that that Freddie drove. Um, you know, Andy and his family were there, and, you know, he, he and the Graves family have just... Um, Boy, uh, the the impact on super modified racing as a whole, um, and especially I think at, at the Oswego Speedway, um, and, and the memories and and the drivers who benefited from their knowledge and their cars and all of that. I mean, you know, couldn't think of a better person to put in the Hall of Fame. Andy deserves it, um, and you know, just a just a really really good guy, just like the rest of his family. I agree, and, and, you know, I think what makes this so special is that he started with his dad building race cars in his family shop in the late 80s, and yeah. it's one of the, the few examples of, of a guy that started right here in Oswego County yep. that has gone so far to the highest levels of our sport, yeah. and he's won Indy 500, Brickyard 400, the U.S. Nationals, all kinds of different things. The past few years, he's, he's like you mentioned, he's the chief technical developer at TRD now. Yeah. And he's been able to win championships with Kyle Busch, with Martin Truex, with Del Warsham. Yep. And he shared the story we did on Facebook last night, and I thought that this was really cool. That out of all those things that he's accomplished, his post was, I'm extremely honored, and this is by far the biggest highlight of my career. Oswego Speedway will always be home. Yep. Yep. I mean, and that's, uh, I know that, uh, I know his family always felt that way. Um, you know, Freddie and Ronnie both made it, both came down south, and so did Cliff. And I'm not sure that Cliff isn't still working on the team somewhere. I'm not sure. I lost track. But uh, but Freddie was crew chief for Ron Hornaday when he won the truck championship for Dale Earnhardt. And, uh, you know, he crew chiefed uh, at several different levels. Um, and I think Ronnie ended up as a crew chief as well, if I remember right. Uh, but, um, 
yeah, I mean, you know, very involved. And in, in there are so many people from Oswego down here. And it's funny, every now and then I'll run into somebody somewhere who will just, you know, hey, Tom, you know, what's what's going on? And I kind of look at him and I, you know, it, it's one of those you don't want to be impolite. It's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm thinking, who are you? And then, then it's like you figure it out a couple minutes into the and it's like, Oh, I had no idea you were down here now. You know, it's just, you know, it's, it's such a big area. And there's so many people running around that, um, you know, you, you obviously don't know everybody that's come down from up there. But, um, you know, the Graves family certainly made a big impact on the NASCAR series as well. And, and Andy continues to through his work with Toyota. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've made such a big impact and he's actually flying up here this weekend to, that's great. Honor, so we're excited to have them and, and visiting and catch up with everybody. I know there's a lot of people here looking forward to seeing them. That's great. Yeah, he is just a he is a super, super guy and, uh, you know, very busy guy. Uh, and he's another one I'd love to be able to get to stop long enough to to uh, do a show because I think it, it would be a really fascinating show hearing him talk about uh, the days uh, of the Graves family and building the cars and all of that. Uh, and his, you know, obviously the trajectory of his career as well. So congratulations to Andy and to the whole Graves family, because I know that Andy is going to say that, you know, this is, you know, uh, obviously a, a part and parcel to his dad, you know, and so, um, but sure. uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, who we got next on the list? The third Joy in the hall. Donnie Joy is going to get in this year and join his father and his brother in the hall of fame. Yeah. And how cool is that? I mean, so cool. You know, again, that's where Jamie, you, you know, you'll, you'll hear it when you get to hear the interview. Um, that's where Jamie, that's where we started today. And, and Jamie has so much reverence. It's such, you know, they're very good friends, Jamie and the Joyas. And, and um, you know, just uh, it's just so cool to, to see Donnie getting in. Donnie, Donnie was always sort of the quieter one. You know, you didn't he drove for, you know, half a year or whatever and uh, and did well for somebody who had no previous experience, had a top 15 in the classic, um, you know, and, and but was so much a part of the joya racing team for so long you know and continues to to be involved and and uh i think again it just shows you the impact the joya family had on the speedway and you know we we talked about that earlier with all of the different drivers that drove for him the the guys like joe gozik and um you know and and timmy nelson and uh you know the guys that that went on to from the crew to be drivers um you know and to do such great things timmy's down here now too been down here a number of years he's another one that ended up uh working for hendrick for a while and you know i think now he's doing some i think he's working with a, either a break or a shock company um you know in just continuing to be involved in the sport the joy is really that was my goodness that family what that team did for so many different people who are still you know on cruise or or you know a guy like Larry Trinka who you know has re- is restoring or has restored one of Steve's cars and of course he was on cruise forever um you know it's it's all part of the biggest wiggle family so congratulations to Donnie that's an awesome thing for him to be able to get into the hall i think i think he definitely deserves to be there and you know, again, um, just an amazing family of people the Joyas are. Right. Donnie's a great guy. All the Joyas are fantastic people. And it really is 
very, very deserved that, that he gets in the hall. Yeah. He's been involved, really, I mean, since his father started way back in 1957 oh, yeah. as a driver, right up until now he's he's grown up there, he's raced there, he's crewed for just about everybody in yep. the pits. Yeah, and still helps today. He's running around carrying twenty four packs of beer into the tiki bar and sweeping <laughs> and picking yeah. up trash and just doing anything he can to help. The guy just loves it. Yeah, and I know how much we appreciate him, so we're we're happy for Donnie. That's awesome. Okay, who we got next? Don and Clyde Rowley, and and this is one that I had to research quite a bit because I didn't even know the name, admittedly, when I when I saw it on the list. But he is actually the last of all of the chief starters to get into the hall of fame. So he completes the circle. That's awesome. Good for him. Well, you know, I think if I remember correctly, Clyde was the last one who actually started the race on track level. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I didn't, I didn't even know that either because the start finish line was moved to its present position in 1967. Yeah. And then that's also when the new flag stand was moved to the inside of the track and they yeah. did away with the one on the front stretch wall. So yeah. he was the only flagman to flag from both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which <laughs> I mean, you know, you gotta have some courage to, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, to flag at track level. And that's even, you know, anytime you're that close to the cars. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's an honor. And, and Clyde was again, you know, a, a part of, we, we keep talking about those who built the speedway and Clyde was one of those who was, you know, being the chief starter, that's a pretty important gig on a Saturday night. And, and, uh, you know, a, a part of, part of the history of, of the speedway. Now I didn't know too much about Dawn. What um, talk about Dawn's uh, involvement? Yeah, so actually, the the family stepped up in '57, right when things started to help out Willie Hackett, who they were friends with, and he was he was the original chief starter here. But um, right, they they ended up. I think I want to say Clyde started out as like a, a steward. He was he was on the track. He'd step out on the track and turn four and, oh my. and you know point point the flag at the cars before before Hackett would give him the green flag coming okay. down the front stretch. So. That was that was his role. He kind of, you know, did that for a little little bit, helped with everything he could, and then moved up to take over the chief starter role. But for all of this time, Don was one of the only two scorers that recorded all the races from '57 to I think '68 is when they retired. So it was it was Don and and Ed Zara. I hope I'm not botching the pronunciation. He was another Hall of Fame inductee in 2014, but. Oh. Yep. They were the only two people responsible for scoring all of those races for that 10-year period. Wow. Okay. Man. Okay. So uh, good for them to be in the hall. And, uh, again, adding um, what I would call one of the originals, you know, who really helped get the Speedway, uh, the founding, I guess, uh, fathers of the Speedway uh, into the hall is always a good thing. And uh, I think we've got one more, right? That's it, actually. Oh, that's it. Okay, I was thinking we had one more. Uh, yeah, that's that's quite a class, and you know, I think what uh, what the Oswego Speedway's done with the Hall of Fame is fantastic, and you know, this is a, a really unique time, I think, because you talk about all of the people that have been voted into the Hall, and then when you when you think about all of the cars that are currently in various stages of restoration these days, 
you know, there are a lot of old supers being restored. And so you've got all those memories to be documented and, and that, that are sort of permanent, um, you know, will be permanent as those cars get restored and get done. And, um, you know, you got a couple of them in the Dirt Hall of Fame. I mean, obviously, uh, Doug Holmes restored the the original offset eight ball and uh, that Jamie had. And, um, you know, so. Uh, all good stuff. Uh, you got Ronnie Wallace's uh, seventy six yep. up there. There's all kind. There's all kinds of cars. Steve Miller's restored one of his. So you know, again, it's a great time to be a super modified fan right now because you've got all of this sort of rewind stuff going on while we, you know, we continue to make history year in and year out at uh, Oswego and beyond. And so all cool stuff. Okay, so if there if there were to be any tickets left or for those who bought tickets let's just remind them real quick because we only got a minute or two um <laughs> let's rewind them uh remind them i should say uh what what's what are the times and and you know all of that sure yeah we'll have a cocktail hour at five o'clock at dinner at six and then awards to follow we'll have a dj after the awards from about eight to ten p.m and then we're actually going to kind of move the party downstairs we booked cam crusoe to play from 10 o'clock until I believe one thirty in the morning. So it'll, it'll go till pretty late. And wow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun this year. We've done a lot of different things. Steve Very nice. worked really hard piecing the videos together. Thomas video, the hall of fame committee, everybody's kind of put their heads together and I think it's going to be a really enjoyable time. Awesome. All right, man. Well, as always, thanks for uh, joining us for a bit, Cam, uh, and good luck with the banquet and the ceremony this weekend. We'll uh, recap it all next week. And again, special thanks to Jamie Moore and uh, for his uh, graciousness to sit with us for so long today and just have some fun telling stories. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, JNS Paving, Skips Fish Fry, and, of course, IPC Indy. Uh, and thanks most of all to all of you who listen to this show and share it every week. Uh, we know this was a long show. We apologize for that, but we don't like to cut, and we don't like to split episodes. Um, you get it raw as it happens, and, you know, if you need to sort of digest it over time you can do that just don't forget about it um and make sure you you know you you continue to listen to the shows and share them because that's what obviously gives us the reason to keep doing them so for camden proud and all of our sponsors i'm tom baker thank you so much for joining us once again for another inside groove until next week have a safe weekend everybody so long You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.